Hello everybody and welcome to episode 443 of Conversation Street. We are going to be talking about Corrie between the 2nd and the 6th of November this week. And I'm Michael and she's Gemma. Yes, I am. Hello Gemma, she certainly is everybody. And <laughs> A also, whole lot of Gemma. Yes. To go round. And Abby's here. She's purring noisily and Gemma's stroking her back so there might be loud purrs, I don't know. Um, we are talking about episodes 10,157 to 10,161 today. And I've, I've just realised, Gemma, we've introduced me and you and Abby, but we've also got two other guests on our podcast we do, don't this we? week, actually. We've, we've got, got the we've double got, whammy this week. We have got Mark Llewellyn, who is um, well, is really um, big in the Cory fan world. Yes. Um, he... Um, has worked not for Curry, but has been very close with many Coronation Street cast members in the past, and he has got a really, really exciting um, 60th anniversary event yes. that he's just um, announced in aid this week of Greater Manchester's Willowwood Hospice, which yes. is their 21st anniversary fundraiser. I'm event. super, super excited about that, and looking forward to talking about very it later. Cause. So he's coming onto the podcast later on to tell us a little bit yes, about. He'll be in I'm the talking cabin. about it as if he's actually coming on later. He's not. I spoke to him a few days ago, and it's good. Lies, so look out for that. Misinformation. And yeah, second guest. <laughs> I was going to say even better, but we appreciate all our guests just really? evenly. We've got Matilda Freeman. The oh yeah. Matilda appears in our bonus episode for this week, so you can listen Who to Who is that she? Who is Matilda Freeman? She plays she played Summer <laughs> Spellman. Oh, don't oh, tear my heart apart. Oh I know. She is such a wonderful interviewee. I listened to the interview after Michael finished with it and it, she is so much fun, so interesting. She is. I great. still don't know what the movie was that she watched on Saturday and you haven't asked her, have you? No, you she talks about her. a film that she watched on Saturday. Um, listen to that, really great fun. She's wonderful. I wish her all the best and great luck with her future projects. Yes, that is also available right yeah. now, everybody. So you might want to go and listen to that first. If you're into that sort of thing, if you came here list- expecting to hear the Matilda F- uh, Freeman interview, thanks for the downloads and everything, but it's the other one. It's the other one, we so do. we tricked you. <laughs> yeah. Anything else been happening this week? Anything oh, bigger than news? No, nothing oh. at all on either side of the Atlantic, so let's not What's mention the other that. Thing? What? Our I don't know. What's ours? Are we just going into lockdown again? Oh, yeah. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change anything to do with what we're not going to talk about news. And anyway, things might change by the time this podcast comes out. Who knows? Well, good luck, America, again. Good luck. This to you last week. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is our. I have been. This is our second American um, election. No, our third American election that we've done since the podcast. I've been up until four o'clock in the morning, several nights, several days in a row waiting, watching this guy called John King, who I did not know existed before now. With his map, I sent you a clip. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been seeing I've him in the morning. Been trying as well to describe up. what he what he does with his maps is very confusing when it's four o'clock in the morning. I still don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more confident it's, now. It's looking like it's going a particular way, isn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was us not talking about the American election because I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about it. We're here to talk about Coronation Street and what a great set of episodes there were this week. But before that, of course, we have a quiz. That's right. My darling do, wife. Do, 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 quiz time with Gemma. <laughs> and Abby. Yeah. Um, Abby wants to She's sitting to know. there with, with Abby on her lap. Like, she's she stroking really her like is. she's a James Bond villain. So I think I'm going to get... <laughs> I'm feeling a bit nervous about the calibre of the questions. I don't what the answers are. I'm going to drop you You're not going to score the, me. I'm going to drop you into the shark tank. All right. No I'll write what. my score down. I'll write my score. You just um, go ahead okay. and ask the questions. Things that happen between the 2nd and the 6th of November 
You're sending in a zero and a five from coronationstreet.fandom.com. Coropedia. 2nd of November 2005. Who goes on a honeymoon for Les and Scylla's wedding? Oh. Scylla mm-hmm. goes with oh. Yana. Well, Abby doesn't like me anymore. Abby's, Abby's coming over She's to sit next to me now. Neglecting okay, me. Over, over this side. Was it, was it Scylla and Yana? Yes. Yeah. You get a mark. Oh, yeah. One. Sorry, I'm not used to scoring. Second <laughs> of November, nineteen ninety, the Wiltons have to return home after their holiday company goes bust. I watched that episode. That was oh, quite really? funny. I should have asked you more de- in-depth questions. No, I'm not. I might not be able to tell you. It was a while ago since it's I watched not really it. Difficult it was a couple of years ago. This, if you've seen it, okay. What do they find on their return? The house has been burgled. Correct. Yeah. Well done, Wiltons. <laughs> okay. Third <laughs> of November, nineteen seventy-five. What scandal does Hilda try to spread about Betty? Oh, I I can only assume it's about um, Gordon being her actual son. Yeah, yeah. she had I, a child out of wedlock. I didn't realise that was a, a, a November kind of uh, scandal. I thought it was more New Year kind of thing. My recollection of when things happen in Coronation Street is going to be eternally skewed by the fact that we watched it. <laughs> It, over summer over yeah well, we've, we've been going all year to be fair yeah I know oh we got two new DVD sets in the post today didn't we we got the 90s box set and the noughties box set because oh, we should have talked about that in the news oh we talk about it now it's, well, it's too late because by the time um, the, oh. this podcast is out the buy one get one free offer that network um, I can't remember what they're called network DVDs or whatever are doing is, is going to be over but, but we, thank you very much yes. to Paul from Coriart who put a tweet out about it a couple of days ago yeah we managed to get the 90s and the noughties box set for the price of just one You're way more excited about us. this than I am because I don't know how much they cost and I don't care well, they're like 30, 30 odd pounds or so so we saved we saved like 30, 31, 32 pounds or so it's a bargain hope, hope some expensive. other people listening took advantage of that offer because we tried to promote it on social media too anyway I digress next Continue. question 3rd of November, 1980. Annie is absolutely furious. 1980? Okay. Annie is absolutely furious when the bin men discuss the contents of her bins at the bar and reveal that the soup at the bar is not homemade as she had claimed, but it's from a tin. <gasps> I know. One of the bin men is called Johnny, but what's the name of the other one? 1980? I'm sure I wrote this down right. Eddie Yates? Yeah. It's not difficult. Well, he, he was around then. Yeah, one. 4th of November 2005. Sarah is dating a man with an interesting name, but do you remember what it was? Scooter. Like, scooter what? I don't know. Come on, oh, Scooter. Give me on, a point for no. Scooter. Yeah, I'll give you a point for Scooter, but his full name's even better. I don't know. Scooter Macuna. Uh, very nice. <laughs> if I was a storylining title that, I would put, I would call it something along the lines of Scooter the Suitor. <laughs> he was really into fish. Was he? He offered Sarah like, um, a stuffed Kanye halibut. West. Yes, true, yeah. <laughs> he offered Sarah a, a stuffed halibut, but she um, actually dumped him. Oh. 4th of November 2010. What does Kevin steal from Molly for a DNA test for Jack? Because don't forget, Molly and Kevin had had an affair. Molly had a baby. I can't and she forget was, that. She was dating, or she was married to Tyrone at the time. Um, so, I'm just going to go with it was his son. tissue. No. Chewing gum. No. From a baby? Oh, for a baby. Dumb, I didn't hear the question. It was the dummy. What it was the dummy. Yes. It was the dummy. Chewing gum baby. The baby's chewing gum. There you go. Baby's first chewing gum. Don't swallow it. Yes, it was a dummy or pacifier, as you might call it. I would not call it pacifier. That's another mark. 
4th of November, 2000. I've lost track. How many questions have we I've given myself five so far. Is this question six? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's question six. That was question six. Mm-hmm. Six has six. Go, 4th of go, November, go. 2015. What does Sophie get from Kevin for her 21st birthday? 21% share in the garage. Yes! I was expecting you to go, oh, who is this new that? Well, you won't know this one. 5th of November, 1975. Deirdre demonstrates her skill with which musical instrument in the Rovers to prove to Ray she can play it? Harmonica. Mouth organ. That is a mark. That is right, a flipping yeah, you get mark. mark. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. You're probably going to get all of these then. 5th of November, 2010. <laughs> There's two questions left. Come on, Michael. Nick and Leanne are thrilled when the sign for their new bar goes up. What is it called? I don't know. Oh, you should do. Nick and Leanne's new bar in 2000? And 10. And 10. Oh, the joinery. Yes. Right, it all Come on. comes down to this one. Come on. And this is where I discover whether this is a well-known thing or not. Okay. Uh, 6th of November, 1995. Leo, Herman, yeah. calls Raquel a walking what? Oh, no. oh, I don't know. Oh. oh. I don't know if this is famous. It should be. Or maybe you just don't know it. Is it... Oh, is it like alliterative or anything? Yes. Wonderbra. Yes! 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 Oh, oh. Is this the first so time pleased. you've got a full no, mark? No, of course it's not. Well maybe done. for a little while. I'm so proud of I'm you. I'm very pleased with myself Yay! for that. Well done. That's a good way to start the day. That is a good way to start Even the day. Even though it's 20 past... Seven. <laughs> Don't tell that people think that we're doing this in order again. We are doing it in order. Oh, yeah, this is we, the are, first we thing. are actually doing it in order this week. Yeah, we're just we not doing it all after we've watched Coronation Street. I hope yeah. tonight's is good because well, I really like Monday and Wednesdays. When I said this is a great way to start the day, what I mean by that is that the rest of the day has been absolutely crap. So this is a nice way. I'm going to pretend I've had that an this all right day. Is, I've had a terrible day. Right. I made these... a good political joke on WhatsApp earlier with people. <laughs> I was quite pleased with myself with this. I won't say what it is. This is from the man who didn't know who the Prime Minister was in 2010 when we were on honeymoon and the guy, the taxi man was asking us and you what? didn't know. You didn't know who the Prime Minister was. You, exactly, you don't I know was, who it was now either. You claim many Seven. things about me, like I didn't know who Brad Pitt was. You didn't, you big fat Pippen liar. Did. You blimmin didn't know who Brad Pitt was. You Pippen didn't. Did. I think I. you did not know. You didn't know who Brad Pitt was. Why would I make that up? To make me it doesn't look make stupid. it makes me look stupid for marrying you. <laughs> right, come on then, come on then. He's right, got birthdays. a birthday coming up. He's got a bonfire birthday. I know it's past no, bonfire don't. night. Yeah, we had a great time recording the Matilda Freeman interview during bonfire night. Well done. I don't think it picked up. No, I don't think so. It also didn't pick me up walking through the hallway. And sorry, sorry, hang on a minute. I don't know who started. Seventh <laughs> of November, Michael Bar- Byrne. He played yeah. Ted Page and Danny Young. Lovely gay Ted. He played Warren Baldwin. 8th of November, Elizabeth Dawn. He played Vera Duckworth. There we go, we're on to a good week. Jane Danson played Leanne Very Battersby. good week. 11th of November, director Will Brenton. 12th of November. Sure, he's lovely. Paul Maxwell played Steve Tanner. Oh. I liked him, liked him. This is Rhea. the first year that we've probably read out his birthday and gone. Oh, yeah, oh, yes, Steve him. Tanner. Rhea Bailey played Kaz Hammond. 13th of November. Which is a, a Friday the thirteenth this year. So it watch is. Out. It is. Watch out to you, Michael Stark. You play Jerry Morton, Emma Colling. He's the first actress. Yeah. To put... the Jerry who? Never heard of that family. Jerry. Jerry says M- Morton. <laughs> um, Emma Colling. He was the first actress to portray Rosie Webster and Lucy Fallon 
He was Bethany Platt the third. That's that. That's a pretty good week for birthdays. Yeah. Well done. Well done, everybody. <laughs> I know you always seem to. You always have to remark upon the caliber of the birthday. I, I think I'm just. I think I'm saying well done a lot because it's because I'm a teacher. I think I just say well done without actually thinking. <laughs> Am I actually celebrating anything congratulatory? What have I not done anything Well done for a fantastic quiz. I did a quiz. And set a birthday. And I did the cabin this week and I did the feedback. Gemma has been very good. She has offered this week. And I bloody keep emptying the dishwasher because you're you're not doing it. So all our news and all our feedback this week. That makes it sound like Gemma wrote in the feedback. I wrote in. There's one bit of feedback that Gemma certainly didn't write. And we'll find more about that later. If I was scoring this podcast, I would probably give it a three out of five. Well, okay, well, this wasn't you, this other review that we got, because they didn't (laughs) give us a three out of five. The worst written review we've ever had. Um, Which, and it's actually not that bad. Actually, it could be a lot worse. Could be worse. Yeah. But that's for our feedback section, ladies. You've got to wait hours to hear that. But you can skip it if you want. Yeah. Yeah. We put it on the Facebook group anyway. Can we do um, street talk? Yes. Um, Because apparently we waffle too much. Let's Can we it. do street talk? Please? Well, we can't do it now because we haven't watched tonight's Coronation Street. But let's pause it now, and then for our dear listeners at home or wherever you're listening to this, it's just going to be a smooth Listen transition to, it where you like. to street talk. Here we go. Okay, we're back. We've watched Coronation Street. We've had our dinner. Was this uh, evening's episode of Coronation Street quite as good as Monday or Wednesday's? I thought it was different. I lo- I left Monday and Wednesday's episodes thinking these were really fantastic. And this one was, but for different reasons. I loved I loved the twist on Monday, loved the comedy of Wednesday, and tonight was all about the, the drama and the angst of Leanne oh and the Ollie Wobble story, really, okay. wasn't it? Uh, um, so I, I, did, I do still stand by the fact that this was a pretty good week of Corrie on the whole. I think I know what I'm going to score it, but let's see by talking about it first <laughs> and see whether that changes my mind. So we're going to start off with a raise, raise to raise the place story, but it's not just Ray that's doing it this time. He has got an accomplice. Who'd have thought that Roxy would be Debbie? I don't, I don't even know whether the name Roxy has even been mentioned in this week's episodes, come to think of no, it. No, actually, now now she's been revealed to be secretly Roxy. Was she actually Roxy? I think she must be Roxy. I think I don't know whether really, they said actually, whether there's a throwaway line saying, yes, that's right, I'm Roxy. Because actually, but, although we decided that she is Roxy, no, she never. I don't think that it was ever said that she was and Roxy oh, and double twist. Debbie are the same person. Just because she's helping him doesn't mean that she's actually Roxy. I assume that she is, but that would be quite a good twist if they're leading us to think that she's and Roxy, actually, but actually Roxy it's somebody is else. Just Gina. Ro- just Roxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just somebody called Roxy that yeah. nobody's ever met, maybe. What a twist that would be. Roxy is actually her real name. Well, at last we were able to find out on Monday's episode that Debbie is secretly working with um, Ray, which we had suspected, but the way that they revealed it, I did very, very much enjoy. So we'll talk about that one first. Then we have the Toya Battersby story. Um, subtitle for this week's episode, Brooker Booker. Because oh, no! Emma got arrested. Poor no. Emma. No, please. On Wednesday. I love her so much. Um, but she got away with it, so it's fine. She did seem to, didn't she? Yeah. Um, we've got two new storylines, everybody. Two storyline titles. Yeah. I'm not really thinking that these are among my best, but Asha is not going to have sex with Corey yet. Gross. But she, there's probably going to be that? lots of kissing around. So I'm calling this storyline Asha Pashas. Just to follow up from the Asha Flashes storyline earlier this year. Because I, I, I'd never heard of Pashas to mean kissing before, but you said that this is I'm a sure thing. I probably heard it when I watched Neighbours when I was little. Australian probably. slang we're or maybe, re- resorting actually, for. Or maybe, actually, it was from Round the Twist. 
Maybe, maybe. We did, there were some good kids TV shows from Australia when we were little, weren't yeah. there? Yeah. Um, uh, babes in Grace is the next storyline title Grim. because Grace is pregnant. And we will finish <laughs> off with uh, Dill We Meet Again. <laughs> oh, we, God, what, my that, God. That's been a storyline title yeah, for three weeks. I've only just, just really, noticed. I'll tell you what, though, you've got, well done. You've got all five storylines have all got puns. Yeah, and they're all pretty decent. Okay, I, I'm going to let you have the pleasure of doing the race, race, oh, the race, why? the play story, just because this is so good, and I think that you might enjoy right. talking about um, what, what Debbie was getting up to. Oh, I love Debbie. She's so stylish. You know Although what? That bag up until cheap looking. <laughs> up until this week, and I'd made no uh, no attempt to cover the fact in the podcast up until now. I wasn't so fussed on Debbie. I thought she was fine. It's always nice to have an actress back, but I, th- I thought she was all right. But as kind of the you know the antagonist in the Debbie Abbey feud, I was naturally always going to be on Abby's side. But as soon as she literally the the break t- the pre break time cliffhanger on Monday where she starts bursting into tears <laughs> is like. I like you now, and then that continued, like, especially like sneaky sneak. especially Wednesday. So so good when she was you know lowering herself to Sally's level, as she put it. Anyway, I I, I get it, ahead of myself. Really, could he remind us what happened in the story this week? On Monday, Debbie calls Kevin a doormat because he is putting up with Abby being around and being a a pain in the bum, and she she's trying to get rid of her. Um, Debbie is then mad at Abby because Kev said oh how long are you going to be hanging around for because she's wondering at this point how come Debbie who's so posh and successful why is she staying in the in her brother's house yeah when there are, when there are many lovely and uh, I'm sure affordable Crosby brand hotels in the area you know what Michael the one thing I've always said about Weatherfield is that it hasn't got a really good hotel <laughs> centrally located near the tram stop and well, that's what it really needs it really does the echo one, that, the, one that would the, be near a corner shop benefit, yeah. and yeah. round the corner from like a Costa or something I'd stay there me too <laughs> <laughs> um, Abby's asking what's your work and Debbie's like it's none of your business it's property which we'd known already. I mean, this was just laying the foundations, wasn't it? But I suppose this was trying to cover up the fact that... Because I'd been wondering, if Debbie really is Roxy, <laughs> why didn't Kevin know about this? And and it was made very clear that she wants to be, for some reason, super secretive and none of your beeswax about it. Abby but, tries to get fine. Kevin to stand up to Debbie and he won't. But um, it, she, he says she'll only be there until... She's finished whatever this business is and then we'll get get rid of her. And then they see her going into the bistro. So Kev rings her up and she says, oh, yes, sorry, I'm in town having a meeting. And they're immediately suspicious because Abby's like, something's going on with her. It's basically Abby, isn't it? She's like, I knew it. I I knew it all along. I'm going to storm her over there and call her out. So they go into the bistro, confront her. Kevin's following along behind Abby. And then immediately um, when she's when she's confronted with these two going, you're lying, what are you doing here, blah, blah, blah. Debbie starts to cry and says she's bankrupt and all of her clothes and everything and her laptop and stuff are all loans and she was too ashamed to say. What? I love that. that that's what I was saying earlier about the, the reveal of Debbie's um, Machiavellian side being particularly... It came, it came out of nowhere. I, I, I wasn't expecting her to do this. To this lying, you know. Yeah, yeah. She and it's like that. You, you are one devious cow because uh, up until this point as well, there'd been no. I mean, most. I wonder how many viewers watching fell for it 
how many other people hadn't guessed that Debbie was you know, a nasty piece of work working with Ray and and then the reveal she's for them not came really later. Nasty piece of work, no, she's not she? really. But you know, she's she's working with she's the enemy. Used to be sleeping enemy. with the enemy, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So for them, the reveal came later. For us, it was the reveal of how it's going to come out. Yeah, very, very, very good. Um. So they immediately believe her. They buy this hook, line, and sinker. Um. I don't know whether it would be really cost effective to rent your clothes. <laughs> Abby feels guilty about this and then Kevin's like why don't you have Auntie Fire's money back and she's like no no I can't accept that nobody says to her why are you in the bistro having lunch if you're, if you're bankrupt could this be why you're bankrupt because you're frivolous with money it's a loan <laughs> who's loaning me the food I'll give it back in the loan in a give it back what in the loan, in the loan. Abby's, re- Abby's relieved and and um, they go. Kevin's knolled at her. You've written. But I knew you were pointing out. What? What, what is it? I don't knocked. Kevin's knocked at Abby. Why? Isn't oh, Abby. Because okay. she was yeah. Because Abby's the one that okay yeah. You know, caused She's the, like what? Yeah, what's causing sister. all this aggravation? Then Debbie gets the phone and she says, "Well, she's alone at this point." She says onto the phone on the phone, "I've just dodged a bullet. I need to talk." Who is that? She's talking to. Ray. This I think we were both going at this point, weren't we? Yeah, because I mean, it was still it still at that point could have been maybe we were wrong about Debbie all this time. We 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 were thinking no, this is this is all the big trick. I like I really like until she spoke to Ray on the phone, and I'm really happy to accept this is what's happened. But I do think in real life, if you were Kevin, you'd be like, "You bitch, what do you mean you've been made redundant?" I mean bankrupt and you decide to just crash at my house and swan around and pretend that you're all spending all your time working on your laptop what were you actually doing on facebook arguing with people <laughs> about whether or not face masks are a hoax like what are you doing what are you doing because mm. really if you're living in someone's house and they're generously letting you stay there rent free you should be doing the housework or doing some cooking or whatever. Yeah. And she just seems to be, like, sitting around drinking wine. Polishing that plastic on... apple on his table at number yeah, 13. Yeah, there's, there's, there's uh, fake fruit that needs to be waxed. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, they, uh... Oh, you moved it. <laughs> um, Abby goes and tells Sally what's going on. And Sally says, you've got to make up for this. You need to tell... You need to get show Debbie that they're your friends... Is that right? Yes. Or I don't know if you, you mean Sally. You need to watch in this episode. No. Sally says to Abby, look, if you want to apologise, if you're feeling guilty about upsetting Debbie, just, just go and show her that you're friends and okay, then I she will forgive you. I don't know if you meant you. show Debbie that me and you are friends. No. That would be weird. Just rub her face in it. <laughs> Kevin's now refusing to let Debbie pay for anything because he's worried about her. Um, and then Abby comes over and to, in order to show her that they're friends, she offers to buy wine and a takeaway. And Debbie looks a bit guilty. And Abby's like, no, no, let, let me make it up to you. And so they agree to have a girly chat. And it starts off a bit awkward and, and silent. Um, but then Abby starts on um, many a woman's favourite topic, how awful my ex-boyfriends were. <laughs> and she gets on to Ray. And Debbie's ears prick up immediately. And she's like... Oh, very shocked but she wants she wants more gossip and so Abby dishes it all out saying what a pervert Ray is and how he blackmailed Kevin to sell him the fa- the um garage garage so next scene is Debbie storming into Ray's office and he's like oh hang on a minute <laughs> we're supposed to know each other 
well, what's going on? And she's like, you're a real piece of work. And it turns out Debbie and Ray also had a, a thing together. And they had, um, the, what they've done was agreed together, even though they are ex-partners, but they're partners in business now. And what they're trying to do is to purchase all the properties on that side of the street. And Ray's like, well, you know what, that this was what we agreed to do for, by any means necessary. And Debbie's like, no, persuasion, not blackmail. So, I enjoyed Ray's um, Monopoly analogy that he made in tonight's episode, buying up all the houses and putting a hotel on top. Yeah. Um, Ray tells her that he's working, um, that, that Gary's working with them, right? About no. the factory. No, he's working on Ray. Sorry, he's working on Gary to sell, to get the factory off of him. But Gary's in cahoots with them. Yeah, kind of, but he's still trying to get the... Still trying to get the factory. I thought Gary said, screw the factory girls, I don't care anymore. Oh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Debbie's getting Jeff. That's his, that's her task, right? Yeah, yeah. She says, I'm in, I'm in with him. I was the one that told Jeff that Alia um, was going to be following him last week, as if he didn't tell, tell himself from Alia spatting off at the top of her voice. And she's working on number four. Yeah, she's basically, she's got that side of the street. That's yeah, her she's little doing, job. She's, she's working, beavering away to get everybody to sell up. And number four, which is Sally and t- Tim's house, and she's saying, you need to probably give office, offer Sally a sweetener. And Ray says, you need this development as much as I do, otherwise you really will go bankrupt. I don't understand how these two have managed to get themselves into a situation whereby they need everybody in a random, like, residential area to sell so they can build a luxury hotel in Weatherfield. I know. Because obviously Weatherfield is supposed to be where Salford is. And, I and like, it's based on that area yeah. of Salford. Can you imagine putting a luxury hotel in there? I'm sure there's some lovely ones. I mean, there. we'd stay there, but we we only go there once a year. I don't think you can make business out of two Coronation Street nut jobs. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so that that's their plan. Um, Debbie comes home and is it... Who's making the chilli? Is it Kevin? It's Kevin. His, yeah, his patented Scotch bonnet chilli. He puts four Scotch bonnets in. What a pointless load of nonsense. She and Abby are a bit wary of each other, but they toast to honesty. And I thought it was quite funny how Abby was saying she couldn't handle hot food. And, and Debbie was like, oh, I thought you'd have a cast iron stomach. And it's like, you're just being a bit classist, aren't you, Debbie? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, poor, poor people, people, poor people like curry. hot curry because it's the only flavour they can enjoy. Because <laughs> chilli's the only thing they can afford to buy. On Wednesday, Debbie tells Ray on the phone that she's going to lower herself to Sally's level and act like a vapid, dozy mare to um, ingratiate herself. (laughs) And it's really good because she goes around Sally's house and she's like, oh, Sally, I like your top. What colour would you call that? Puce. And Sally's like, no, I think it's pink. (laughs) I I thought that this was some of the funniest Coronation Street's been. These series of scenes on Wednesday's episode was was just, it was right at my street. I thought it was just the right side of being too silly because quite often Coronation Street tries to do humour and it falls flat for me. Like Mary, sometimes I think, no, that's too silly. It's no, it's no good. Kirk, no good. But I found this just, just right. I found the whole, whole series of scenes with Sally, uh, uh, Sally and Debbie just brilliant on Wednesday. And, and she compliments her on her chimney as well. We used to have a chimney, didn't we? But it's been destroyed by the... <laughs> by the bald git next door coming in and breaking, 
<laughs> Charles was destroyed by the window washer. He tried to pretend it wasn't him. Yes. Yes, De- Debbie's just like, oh, oh, is that a chimney, Sally? Oh, a chimney. They're, they're classy, aren't they? They're oh, very they're... good. Yeah, 10 years ago, that would have been all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, then she brings up Jeff and she's like, oh, I don't know how you could live around here next to this monster. I would have thought you'd live somewhere posher like Cheshire. And Sally's like, oh, I'd love to move somewhere like that, but I, oh, it would kill me to leave my conservatory and hot tub. And and Davy's like, why don't we have a chimney air christening party? Talking of Sally's hot tub, I enjoyed this thing. Um, was it? I can't remember Monday or Wednesday's episode where Abby tells Sally that Debbie thinks that she's um, chavvy for ha- no. She said she said it was a, she's a swinger, doesn't she? For oh, having a, a for having tub, a hot yeah. tub. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie and Tim come round later with party food, and they've nicked a trolley from Freshco's. And Sally tells Jeff they're gonna have a party. Because um, he's outside and he, she, you're not invited, wasn't it? Um, she also says, "Go and dump the trolley at Gail's house." And they're like, "What are we going to do with this now?" <laughs> oh God! She, I tell you what, Sally. If she, if I lived in Cheshire and I saw Sally turning up with her moving van, I'd be very worried that the property prices were about to be lowered by a job. <laughs> <laughs> so the party started in the back garden in Debbie admiring Sally's beautiful plume yeah Noah Noah's supposed to come who is Faye's boyfriend oh yeah that was the other side of the story wasn't it Faye splitting up with her non-existent boyfriend that we've never seen him anyway Jeff comes and stands in the garden and starts coughing because of the smoke and then he says he's weed in the hot tub (laughs) insinuates it at least basically he was like oh have you looked at the water recently is it a bit bit yellow and frothy horrible I just thought this was great and then he puts on Mr. Bombastic <laughs> on his... This, I thought this was stupid. I, didn't like I loved it. it. I, I really, really loved it. It didn't make... This is not Jeff's personality. Anyway, so he's, he's dancing around and singing, literally singing to Mr. Bombastic by Shaggy. And Debbie stirs things up and then Tim chucks water on Jeff, right? Yes. Debbie goes around to see Jeff because he's like, oh, really upset. And she's basically stoking the fires both both ends but by talking and bad mouthing yeah because she person. has been working with um jeff to try and what well, she wants him to think well i'm getting rid of sally to do you a favor and she's now doing the same to sally so yeah. we, we yeah well, she's saying to sally, you should leave you should leave yeah um stroking his ego etc says it's time for you to show your testosterone I don't know what that means. I it means know. go and smash up the chimney can with your you big shovel. Can you test it? Can you test testosterone in diluted hot tub water from someone's urine? <laughs> don't know. Debbie returns to Sally saying, I think I've smoothed things over. But within seconds, out comes Jeff onto their patio. Has he got a spade? Yeah. He's smashing things up, including the chimney and a very nice set of garden furniture. That is an exact copy of the sort that... What's her name? Katie Carly Cooley. I've got her in the down somewhere. Kirsty Allsop. Yeah, what does she say? She, oh, yeah, she, she Sally calls exact. it as an actual direct imitation. <laughs> <laughs> it's because yeah. so, uh, when Debbie was trying to butter Sally up, she was like, Oh, Sally, I love that garden furniture. Where did you get that from? And Faye's like, oh, Was it from a petrol station? station. <laughs> Sally's doing a Faye. She's, she's so Annie Walker, isn't she? And so her reactions, she's like, No, Faye. I think it came. I can't remember where what, she said you go. No. But uh, it was so, so, so good. Kirsty Allsop is a very posh lady in the UK, if you didn't know. She's a TV presenter and she does like 
um, property. Oh, well, there was also the line about somebody selling. Well, didn't Space Hale? She she makes furniture out of junk and stuff. That's why she makes. Only at Christmas. <laughs> she makes decorations out of rubbish she finds around her house. That's right because she also. The script does... was so so good on Wednesday. I think um, it was Jonathan Harvey. At least the first one was. I can't remember whether the second was or not. Yeah, she, yeah it was. She, a, she's like she does crafty things. Is she as crafty as Jeff? The sneak. No, she, yeah, she does something called Kirsty's homemade home and Kirsty's homemade Christmas, showing people how to have an individual Christmas using secondhand and homemade products, such as wreaths from material found in a nearby wood, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, Gemma's, Gemma's not just got that memorised. She no, does I have don't know much there. about Kirsty Allsop apart from the fact that she often says controversial things on Twitter oh. to rile people up. Like, I think it's disgusting when people have washing machines in their kitchens. <laughs> um, yeah, so Which then... I, I have to say, that argument really annoyed me because most people in this country have to have their washing machines in the kitchen because there's no room for anywhere else and I also want to know what you have done to your clothing to make it so that one second you're you're able to wear it in the kitchen and the next second when you take it off it immediately becomes biohazard and you can't have it in the same room what are you doing (laughs) to your clothes that you can't wear them I don't know there's another little kind of a cliffhanger but not really in the break time on the, the the second Wednesday episode isn't there with the with the spade what do you mean? Jeff, well, this is when um, Tim, Tim's there and he's he's telling Jeff to get out the garden and Jeff's like, oh, you said get out of the garden and get out of my life. And Jeff's Jeff's like proper hurt about how Tim has turned against him because he's so on his own. Oh, yeah, that uh, was and weird. Then, and then weird. he hands in the spade and is like, go on, you finish off what Yasmin started. He's like saying, yeah. Yeah, my, like, my and he also off. says, oh, I wish there was a bottle of wine around or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was very out of character. I, I didn't because we've seen Jeff lose his rag before. Remember, like when he busted up the Hoover just recently. He's he's losing his cool. No, and I think okay, this was. Okay, but this think... was very performative, and calculated. Um, I also thought it was a bit stupid that he basically came into their garden and wrecked stuff. And they didn't call the police on him, even though that's all he does to other people. And somehow, Jeff manages to call the police out for people saying nasty things and hurting his feelings. But he literally destroys a chimney, which probably costs about 60 to 100 quid, with a spade, and that's it. Nobody cares. Well, they, they did bring up whether they should um, call the police in later, didn't they? And Debbie was like, oh, no, I don't think they should do that. Oh, you don't want to have these... No, I thought that you was... You don't bollocks. want to get the police involved with you. Oh, Gemma. We'd have to say that. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think I was speaking at the same time. I'm sure nobody heard you say that. Not too bad. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought <laughs> it was. I thought it was fine that they didn't get the police involved. I think they don't want no, to lower themselves to, to to Jeff's level. No, the fact that I he goes running and saying, "Excuse no, me, officer, they can no. they call me a nasty name." And they're like. Yeah. No, it's because it, the story, they didn't want it to complicate the story. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. But I, I don't so think it was excuses. beyond the realms of possibility that they silly. wouldn't call the police. Well, I think it's silly. So how about that? I'm going to call the police on you. <laughs> <laughs> they all end up going back inside. They all anyway, go back inside. <laughs> and they find out that Noah has dumped Faye as well. Can't believe it. Doomed romance there. Um, Debbie says, just unhinged and... Um, Tim says he's going to make him move. And Debbie says, well, you know, why don't you move? And Tim says, I'm not budging. Faye has a chat with Craig in Victoria Gardens. She's upset about being dumped. And she obsesses about this all week. Craig says, I've got an idea. Let's take some photos on Instagram to make you look really cool and see and make him see what he's missing out on and boost your confidence. (laughs) I don't think he was putting on Instagram at all. I think he was just saving it to his personal 
yeah, photo was, folder yeah. on his phone. <laughs> Debbie goes to see Ray and says, oh, I've had a great day today. The place is a dump. It wants knocking down. Oh, so mean. I love Sally's house. Sally, Sally and Yasmin... Both both houses are very nicely decorated inside. I'd yeah, the, the Platts is very much a, there are kids living in this home. No it, one cares about this house. No, it is. No, <laughs> there it, is no decoration going on in here. No interior design. There. <laughs> no. But it's, but it's iconic, so it's fine. <laughs> Tell you what, they get rid of Kylie's throat over my dead body. <laughs> Sally's house hunting online. Um, and Tim is saying, I don't want to move just because one person... Um, and Sally says, I think, I'm well, personally, I'm worried because I think you're working yourself up and I don't want you to have a heart attack because you have to live next to your dad. Good point, Sal. On Friday, Sally tells Abby that they're thinking of selling up and Abby's like, I can't believe it. Are you letting Jeff win? But I thought you loved this house and you like living here. Why would you want to move? Jeff sees Faye in the street and tries to apologise for to her for ruining the party. Yeah, because as well as being a chimney a christening, christening party, <laughs> it was also supposed to be Noah coming round, wasn't it? We yeah. didn't say. Yeah. And, um, it, and, well, he wasn't going to come and, anyway. And Tim had told Jeff that he'd spoilt Faye's, you know, big big party. But yeah, yeah and she tra- he tries to apologise. She went here and shouts at him, and then Craig says, tells him to bog off, and Jeff's like, "Oh, it's not my fault. It was all Debbie. She was provoking me." Um, Abby tells Debbie and Kevin that Sally's thinking of moving and Debbie's like, well, I think that is a brilliant idea. What a great idea of hers to move. She should definitely move. Mm-hmm. Craig goes over to see Sally and Tim and tell them about Jeff harassing Faye, Faye and says about what Debbie said about, Je- well, no, saying saying what Jeff said about Debbie provoking her. And Sally's like, that's weird because that's not what I, she said she was going around there to smooth things over. So I'm, I'm confused. Sally, ta- then Sally gets the good news, apparently this is good news, that the house has been valued at £145,000. I thought it would be more than that. I thought it would be a lot more than that. I guess that it's right, it's true what they say about houses being cheaper up north. But I did look, I did have a look through, did, actually, yeah. um, Salford, that seems like a, a fairly, the thing is, it's a fairly reasonable price and you actually, you wouldn't believe this Michael, but you can actually buy three bedroom places in Southampton for around that much. Oh, okay. Um, but they're all horribly decorated and in need of renovation. <laughs> so I think Sally's under Well, I mean there is also a sinkhole next door to Sally's house at the moment. Yeah, that's or two true, houses away. Yeah. So there's a bit of a risk involved there. Debbie says, Oh that sounds like a good price in this market. And Sally Sally then says to Debbie, Jeff said that you wound him up yesterday and says, look, okay, maybe I didn't smooth things over like I said I did, but how was I supposed to know you'd come around rampaging with a with a spade? Sally then gets a phone call from somebody, from no, from the estate, estate agent, agent, going, oh, you've had an offer on your house already for the full asking price. And immediately Sally's like, well, well, maybe we undervalued it. We should definitely hang fire in case other people are interested. It's only just gone on the market. And Debbie's like, oh, no, 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 you should definitely buy the handoff. In this, in this economy, in this housing market, you should definitely. Um, then we get a scene with Faye admitting to Craig that she and she likes him. Maybe they could go out with each other, which she's thrilled to hear about. And Debbie goes to Ray and says, I can't believe you put an offer in. I told you to wait at least a day. Now you've convinced her that she's going to hold out for a better offer. And he's like, hey, well, that makes me think that we should have sex with each other. And she's like, I don't know where that came from, but no. Mm-hmm. So, 
That was basically that. I thought I I really enjoyed this story this week, as I made it very clear earlier. You you didn't seem as into it as me. As but well, it's Wednesday you just didn't enjoy. Oh, as Wednesday much as I was I did. going. Oh God. Usually I'm very sensitive to overly silly stuff, but I just found it all fantastic. Debbie's over the top camp admiration. I and love everything that. Sally. I really like that bit. The thing I didn't like was was Jeff acting like an idiot. I think he wouldn't. He wouldn't. The whole point of Jeff and why he is such a good villain is that he was a manipulative, like sneaky guy, and he. But now, obviously, he's he can't get his way with Simon Tally, <laughs> so he just he's kind of. But he'd been working with Debbie, and I think she probably told him, y- "You need to make a nuisance of yourself." They're going to have a party. I'm going to convince them to have a party. You need to put your music on loud, be your obnoxious neighbour, and try and convince them to do it. I I don't think that was all that right. Was him I understand being him. what you're saying. I just think that you don't normally, you don't normally, most people wouldn't make themselves look stupid and ridiculous he, he definitely wouldn't because he cares about what people think about him he's all about the the show isn't he but because he does have his theatrical side as the great magnifico singing shaggy songs at them <laughs> it was pretty repulsive wasn't it no i i, I didn't have a problem with it i, I thought it was all right, great okay you said that now. so the the debbie twist i've what did you think so i've i've kind of said for us what we thought but <laughs> we, i don't know whether we, you're on the we same were page waiting as me. for this to be revealed and when it was i was like oh <gasps> and I guess it was good. The double twist was that they used to be an item which I didn't even consider. No, but I mean, it, I, I'm thinking, why did they need to have that? It was a bit like Todd and Mick the gangster, wasn't it? They just throw that in there. Everybody happened to go out with each other in the past. I, I don't think that particularly added too much. I the, the whole of that story was a bit silly. I agree. With Maybe you. there's going to be something that means that it's better that the two of them have been seeing each other. But I, I, I don't think it's so far. Not necessary. I agree with you when you say that it was unnecessary in the story of Todd and Mick, because it was. But in this case, it adds an extra dimension because, um, first of all, you've got the are they going to get back together again thing. Mm-mm. And she's made it abundantly clear that she's not. And, and, I, and I think that she's, she's not the sort of person that he would, you know, in the course of a few weeks, because, I mean, we've only got a few weeks left until the 60th anniversary when I guess it's all going to, you know hit the fan I don't think that she's going to be yeah convinced into his bed and also you've got the whole thing of um Abby being his ex as well yes which adds and actually I honestly think that adds something else and these women both know him in a different way to everybody else because when when you're dating somebody you see a completely different side of them than you do if you're a business person with them or if you're you know you just know them from around so mm. there could be that i think there's there's going to be something down the line that debbie and abby they're either going to be at loggerheads once abby finds out that that she's dated him before or they might unite against him i think that that's quite likely i i it's going to be just like Sex in the City, Michael. It's going to be amazing. I think when, when Abby um, ended up um, bedding Ray... I think Debbie's Ray, Samantha. When, when Abby ended up bedding Ray at New Year, it felt odd and it came out of nowhere, didn't it? It's like, why, why, is, she, why is she going with him? No, we don't want that. And then it seemed to maybe tie itself up fairly quickly when she blew up the car, but it was kind of dropped... It, it was over and done with pretty quickly, wasn't it? But yeah, you're right that having... Currently, we've got Abby versus Debbie and they both, you know, yeah, have been 
with with, with Ray before is one thing. But I, I, I don't think they're going to keep Debbie evil because as manipulative as she's being and as deceitful as she's being, I don't think that she is a you know, villain, in inverted commas, although... I think I'd quite like her to be one. We, we've seen enough of I want her this her to week. Commit and... a bit more to yeah cutthroat because at the moment she seems to have fallen into the exact same trap uh, as of as Gary has, where the writers are like, oh, we want them to sort of facilitate what the the main villain it wants, but we don't want them to actually be too. We don't want the, the viewers to dislike them. That what the the difference between Gary and Debbie, one of them for me, is that we've seen a lot of looks of Gary just look, looking anxious about, oh, what have I become, kind of thing. And with Debbie, we're not. She's she knows what she's doing. And, I like her. And and she's like when she's when practical. she found out that she's got involved with this with Ray, who's accused of being a massive pervert. She just went and marched up into the bistro and told him straight to his face, "What the hell have you been doing to my brother?" Um, no, I, I, you keep she, she, saying that Ray's evil and like he's a villain and everything. But again, we just have to. I just have to remind you: all he's done is want to redevelop an area of the inner city and build a luxury hotel. But he was, he was um, introduced as a villain in Michelle's story. Oh, no, last year, has, wasn't oh no, yeah. Let's remind every, remind me that he actually was a bit of a sex pest. Yeah, and tried to molest Michelle and also. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, did he with Bethany? I can't remember. Well, he lured her to the hotel, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so we know that he's inappropriate with women and a bit rapey, mm. very bad. But is that on? You know, is that is is building a luxury hotel on, on a par with that? Is that a sort of equal crime? Are we saying? <laughs> I mean, as as the Coronation Street viewing audience, we're supposed to think that anyone who dares touch a even a cobble is. Spawn of but again, I really would like to know what specifically it is about this area in particular that means that he has to develop it. It's got a lovely bistro down the end of the road. There's why... a cute little garden around the corner, okay. easy tram access. They haven't said anything about why Ray's doing this. He isn't, doesn't have any personal motivation at the moment, other than he probably would think it was quite funny to get one over on everybody. But really... It, this is kind of hollow mm. we need a bit more we need a bit more there needs to be more at stake because at the moment the the street residents don't actually even know what's happening and we don't really know why ray is doing it so although i i am in i am into this and i think this could be quite a good story at the moment it's at very the very very early stages and they really need to explain a bit more about the motivation and people need to uncover about what he's doing it's it's a little it's starting well I've said this a few weeks before that it's starting to get a bit convenient that so many people are getting into situations whereby they have got no choice but to sell out their homes but I'd have thought that more people would be putting two and two together at this point and and realizing hang on a minute if we keep going up here then none of us you know in a month's time well no nobody is going to be owning the houses David here. thinks he's renting so you said that Jeff and Jeff is in cahoots with Debbie. But I didn't really pick... I didn't... I've missed that. Yeah, no, I I got that. So why is he in cahoots with Debbie then? What's he getting out of it? Um, Getting rid of Sally and Tim living so next to So he thinks him. he's going to stay in his house? Yeah, but... Well, that makes... That's silly, isn't it? He thinks he's going to stay in the house, but also we've got... um Alia is trying to sell the house, isn't she? I know, but I can't see what the point of the plan is 
it doesn't make any sense to me. If you're trying to get somebody to move by making somebody else into a neighbour from hell. Well, you get two people and they both hate each other and you want them both to move. So you go into cahoots with one of them to get them to make the other ones move out. All you've done then is make the person who's remaining, aka Jeff, even more comfortable and happy in the place that they are living in and less likely to want to move. Can I you, don't Can you know. see what I mean? Yeah, saying? yeah, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It, it doesn't make sense. She shouldn't have... She should be playing them off each other and trying to prevent them from telling each other that they both want to move. Well, I'm sure that there's a good... And let's face it, Jeff isn't going to want to move anyway because he'll lose the house. At the moment, he has half share in a house that the other person can't access or use Mm. because they're in prison. If he moves out, he has half the value of the house... And therefore, he can't live in somewhere that's going to be as good. And if it's if he's going to get one hundred and forty five grand for it, that's not enough to to buy, um, much of a. Yeah. It's going to be a very small place. Yeah. Like he said, nowhere to put his magic stuff. Oh yeah, it does, it? no, I uh, I I think it's. I'm sure I I'm beginning to feel more confident than I had been a few weeks ago that this is nicely planned and it's leading to somewhere quite juicy in the next four or five weeks before the before the 60th um, and what's going on with the cabin as well he's not doing anything about that that's a that's an odd one and i and i feel that had uh barbara knox been able to appear in uh, yeah. the show at the moment we know that she has started filming again so it's going to be a very quick sale but the fact that they've <laughs> they've not even mentioned it Unless maybe he's thinking of ad- having the hotel, um, you know, local sh- shop maybe downstairs in like, the lobby being the cabin. Yeah, build, build it sort of on stilts above. It could have done that anyway. Though. Yeah. I mean, we, we got hints that um, Kathy was having money problems a min- month or two ago, didn't we? Because Deb, Deb was having to reduce her Hours. shifts at the, uh, the kebab shop and everything. But that's really been very, very quiet. So I would have thought that in the next few weeks, that's going to have to be brought back up again. Because... Yeah, but Kathy's money problems were due to the fact that she doesn't like working with her boyfriend yeah i know but i think that's where that's that's going they're just going to have to leave it till the very last minute or maybe the the cabin is going to be the last you know the last thing standing i don't know when he gets the wrecking ball out because Mm, yeah like we said because rita's still still shielding dust again surrounded by boiled sweets yeah anniversary tradition isn't it um anything else for for that one craig and faye I mean, it feels to me like this. The, the only reason that they'd be putting them together at this point is so that during the 60th anniversary, she can be in mortal peril or something. He's already he's saved be there. her. I know. He's, I mean, that was like the first round of it, but I, I feel that there could be, be some real... I'd be up Craig. I think there could be some real tragedy. I, and, and because the... What, Jeff, you think Faye's going to die? I don't know. How's she going to die through a property development. I don't know, she but she's fall in a in a pit. She could. She, she's she's clearly. She's die. clearly. Um, Jeff's. Um, you know, he's he's lied about her in the past, and she's lied about her. Yeah, he. he I, I can't. I can't. I can't remember what happened, but that they've definitely set them against each other now, granddaughter yeah, yeah, and grandson. Yeah. And I, I think that somehow Jeff's going to on purpose or accidentally end up putting his own granddaughter in danger Craig's going to go and try and rescue her. I don't think I don't think that Craig could get killed or anything I think that they want to keep him in the show but Faye has been a bit of a hanger on for a long time now I, I just feel that there may be some sort of danger brought about by by Jeff 
and Craig has to go into the rescue or something. It feels like this has got doomed romance written all over it for the for the sixtieth. Honestly, um, do you wanna do you wanna move on to the next story? Are we we said enough for this one? Yes. Okay, so the 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 Oliver storyline, the Oliver's money storyline, oh, the man. the serious story, the harrowing story of the week, but also the kind of comedy tragedy of what Emma's the problem that she's got herself into somehow of the week as well. How can you say that's comedy? Well, everything that Emma does is comedy. When she was tying herself up in knots in the police station and telling her silly stories and, you know, going off on tangents and everything. And everything Emma does is great. So, Monday, Emma... Um, she does a fair to middling impression of surprise when Jenny tells her about Scott being behind the bistro robbery. Uh, because this is how the story starts, wasn't it? All the, the, the fallout of the Scott stuff last week, which was the... It came to its huge climax on Friday, and we were like, what's going to happen now with Johnny and Jenny and Scott? And it, it turns out nothing, really. Um, it's kind of swept under the carpet, but the, the money that Scott gave um, Emma to keep her quiet about her, her, him having a gun in his bag is kind of takes centre stage for Monday and Wednesday, at least. So she um, Emma is yeah, tying herself in knots about what should I do about this money and no she's already at this point given it to Imran hasn't she to pay off yes, the he's solicitor given it. He, and he's yeah he's already transferred it to somebody else yeah so she she confides in Alina later who I, I, so I keep forgetting that she even exists I, I, oh, yeah, I used no. to really she really enjoy in, Alina like... and then she comes in and for, <sighs> does a few things yeah, and then Oh, so sad. She seems like a bit pointless at the moment. I, I I want to see more of her. Do I? I, I don't know. Anyway, Alina says you've got to tell the police you about have this, to tell the police and about Emma this. thinks it's too late. It's what a dilemma late. she's in. Can't. I'm in a dilemma. And <laughs> Alina knows from first-hand experience what dodgy people are like. They're dodgy. That's what you need to sort experience. this. Stop it. <laughs> Brian's been drafted into the Rovers later as Emma has apparently got sick and has had to go home. Um, Kirk finds Johnny in the pub and says, oh, I heard that you were the one that reported Scott for robbing the bistro and he was the one that shot Craig. You're a hero. And it's it's the the age-old tropey situation of somebody who feels guilty about something being told how wonderful they are. Yeah, and they're like, but you don't... I can't accept this. Praise. Which we also see a lot of in the Ollie storyline with Nick telling, uh, sorry, Nick being told by Leanne that he isn't he a great dad when actually he's secretly going behind her back. And anyway, Emma goes over to see Amy, and then she gets a sob story about how terrible this whole Ollie situation is. Uh, but Amy says, "But Emma, thank you so much for being so great. You donated this five thousand pounds. <laughs> Aren't you wonderful?" So both her and Johnny have been told, literally in the space of two scenes, that they're both wonderful when they know that they've got deep dark secrets. Now it's Emma's time to squirm. So Johnny, back at the Rovers, is panicking, and Jenny says, "Look, everything's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. You didn't hold the gun. You were the one that called the police. You got nothing to nothing to worry about. It's fine." Johnny still feels responsible for Craig's injuries, though, and Grant's death, the security guard. <laughs> and Jenny's like, I, I, look, Johnny, I'm worried. You're making yourself ill. I, I, it's my responsibility to keep you safe and healthy. Let's just not talk about this again. No more. Yeah, the best... End of conversation. The healthiest thing to do... You're worried about something, just... to bottle all your feelings up and not talk about uh, uh, it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll open it up again next time our filming block comes round, basically. Yeah. 
So this is when the focus turns more over to Emma because the cops come into the Rovers, I think it was. I can't remember. Did they go to number one? I can't remember where she is. Saying, can I come and talk to you? Oh, no, she did catch her on a bench or something, don't they? Yeah, she's there. She's literally there going, oh, I don't know what I should do about this money that I stole. And then the police came over and go, Emma Brooker, have you stolen money? She's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out that Scott has told the cops about the money. We don't get to see Scott at all this week, do we? Considering, no. you know, how big of a character he was last week. And that's a bit, it feels Where is like. He, he I, must be gone. I, I know, it feels like we've maybe seen the last of Scott when he. It, it felt like he wasn't quite done. But you I suppose think? they didn't really need him. No. But I. I it, yeah, it felt very abrupt. But again, I'll say this story I feel was supposed to be tied up about four, five, six months ago because of the pandemic, they've had to prolong it. So I guess they just wanted to like, get rid of the the on, movie. Um, anyway, Emma completely denies the money. She very, what? very strenuously denies that she knows anything about this. Um, <laughs> it's not true. John Scott's telling a load of lies. Um, I I felt like the police officer probably didn't believe her because she's she's not the best liar, is no. she? If she feels guilty about something, she wears a heart on her sleeve, so yeah. you're going to know. But anyway, what what can they do? She reminds me of those um, videos you see of the owners coming back from somewhere and everything's wrecked and they go to the dog and they're like, did you do this? And the dog looks at them and sideways like, no, 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 definitely <laughs> Totally, not. totally. It couldn't possibly be me. So Emma goes um, over to number one later and confesses to Steve, and he, he can't believe what he's hearing. I mean, he, he was like, when I was your age, I was doing dodgy things with money, which if you've been watching I... the repeats on ITV3, you know, it's very, very true. But he's like, you're not like this. You're just a good girl. Can I just say that I feel that Emma's been shafted by everybody here, right? Because normally somebody goes and says, oh, I've got a terrible confession to make. I've murdered 10 men and buried them under the patio. Everyone will be like, oh my gosh, we can't let anybody find out. We have to hide the evidence and make sure that you stay out of prison. Literally, everyone that she tells is like, oh no, we have to tell the police. <laughs> Aren't they? Oh no, this is terrible. Yeah. They, they, they tried to hide it a little bit, but within the week, you know, less than, it's like two days time, she's, she's being fined. Well, look, Steve doesn't say that. He says, look, I think you should do nothing for now. I need time to think. She's she's like, oh, I'd go to prison if it meant keeping the money and saving on his life. And he's I mean, like, how much was it? Five thousand pounds. It wasn't that all much, it was it? Not in the grand it's not scheme worth of going things. To prison over five grand, especially because they're gonna unplug early next week, Paul. <laughs> I don't know whether they are. I mean, it's. I, I I'm wondering the way this is going. He he says uh, he said look I wouldn't sacrifice you to save Ollie. I love Aww. you both the same. Oh I it know. Just, oh god. But it does make me wonder when he said I wouldn't sacrifice Ollie. I wouldn't sacrifice you to save him. It's almost like saying he's saying I I don't think Ollie's gonna last much longer. Which he hasn't. He's admitting admitted. It to himself, what, what, perhaps, slowly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. It. Um. Yeah, so he says, I just need to know you're okay and, crucially, that you're not in prison. <laughs> so let me move over to Wednesday where there's a couple of awkward hospital scenes at the beginning where Emma's visiting, feeling very guilty because of the money and everything. Going, oh, the you're so good. Yeah, basically. Oh, this generous Brilliant. donation that Emma's given. Aren't you Finally, wonderful? Finally, somebody who realises the seriousness, seriousness of Ollie's situation is yeah. on my side. <laughs> so Steve has to nip this in the bud and he tells Leanne that the money's dodgy. So he, he gives her the whole story about what it is. And Toya says, I will sort this 
to Imran. I'll, 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 I'll oh, this is get dumb. it all sorted. So Imran is summoned back home and he reacts pretty badly to the news that the oh, mudgy yeah, dodgy. he's like, what the hell are you talking about? This was money laundering and you've involved me in it. You got, I can't just not talk to anything to anybody. It's not like you where you can just go blabbing everyone's secrets and you just get disbarred. I could be in trouble here. Yeah, Toya's like, you can't tell anybody. I like Toya was like, I didn't know there would be an issue with this. I'm sorry. And then I was like, I'm a lawyer, you stupid woman. Yeah, Toya has um, interesting Toya, views about lies. Toya's got like lies a switch and... in her head that sometimes goes to completely dumb. Yeah, yeah. This, this was she's, being very, she's normally very sensible. Like last week when she was in the cafe and she, was it... She was telling, yeah, Evelyn. Oh, Evelyn, you might be interested to know that Arthur was at the hospital looking sad. Anyway, bye. Like, she didn't think that that would <laughs> impact her or make her feel anything. Yeah. Apart from happy. Oh, good, my ex-boyfriend's at the hospital looking sad. Good good on him. That's brilliant. I'm so glad he's suffering. Well, Emma comes round later and Imran is all for fessing up to Elliot, who's the, the special oh, helper yeah. lawyer bloke. And, and Emma needs to go to the police. <laughs> and she is in tears. <laughs> She was, she's just like snivelling. She, oh, Ali Mardell so was bad, so Emma. brilliant. I wanted to uh, wrap her up in making a her look, yeah, put her in my pocket. Needy and pathetic and, and sad and, and matchbox. helpless. She goes to, the, goes to the police station, oh. through tears, confesses to the policeman, <laughs> and she's shaking. <laughs> and, and she's saying, oh, I'm just She's kind of got her hands in the, sort of the prayer position. Please, please don't throw me away. Not tell me, throw me in jail, I mean. The policeman's there like... Oh my god! Why did I take this job? I the, thought it was gonna be. I'd rather wrangle drunks all all weekend than deal with this poor crying woman that I have to arrest. I thought that the casting of the police officer was quite good because he wasn't one of these, you know, hard guys, no, he was, was he? He like, looked kind of soft and nice. He and, wasn't being nice to her, but he wasn't being horrible. No, he looked the sort that was like, well, I've, got a, job to I've do. got a job to do. I can totally it's see what be you're a lot saying here. On both of us, if I just do it to the letter. Yeah, she just. Sobs oh and sobs God, and so sobs. She, she arrests her. He arrests they, her. He arrests her. They're going to go to court. Oh, she's just crying. Yeah. But then it's fine at the she end gets... of the episode because she's just got let off with... Well, she's been charged with money laundering, <laughs> but she's just going to get a fine in community service, really. So it's all OK. I did feel that that was tied up a little bit too quickly. And when she was coming home, the fact that she'd been... You know, the makeup had been streaming down her face, you know, five minutes earlier. And then she strolls back into number one going... Yeah, I'm fine. Do you think when she says, oh, if I've got to pay a fine and I've been charged with money laundering, the policeman just sort of like looked at her crying, went outside, spoke to his friends and came back with like a bit of printer paper with like on the top go official warning written in Sharpie. And then like, you are naughty. Don't do this again. Gave it to her. Go, this is your money laundering <laughs> thing. Warning. You've been told off now. You have to pay a fine. It's how much money have you got on you? Yes, it's exactly that amount. I know, I know. Like, it doesn't feel official at all, does it? No. And, like, the com- you've got to do community service, which means you have to put this b- banana peel that I've just eaten in, in that bin there, okay? <laughs> right. Okay, now, don't I'm do so, it again, Sorry, officer, I'll never do it oh, again. Oh, okay, thank you. I'll, I promise I'll put it in the bin. I'll put it in the bin really well. Just do it, okay, and get out. <laughs> so, Friday... Sadly, I don't think I don't think Emma even appears on it, does she? It's the focus is then at the hospital with Leanne and Nick and Simon, who is a, yeah. a rare sight oh, indeed on the street. I just really love, yeah, really love Wednesday's episode with Emma. She was star. she was so good. She was a real star. <sighs> she um, really Ali and we say often say with when it comes to comedic actors that they can 
lose their appeal very quickly if you give them too many serious scenes. And and Emma has been in danger of this happening. But for some reason, Wednesday's episode, mm. I didn't. It didn't make me go. Oh God, Emma's crying again. Oh, I've complained again. loads about Emma being had just misery had, like, yeah, heaped upon had, her. Her real dad, dad dies. Died, and... Eccles died, and she was looking after her. Yeah, but this particular one, for some reason, because it was over so quickly, and it was sort of like, I don't know, because you, because I didn't really, I wasn't really worried for her that she much. She was doing. I thought uh, she was doing right something the for the right reasons, but yeah. I suppose she was with Eccles as well, wasn't well, she? She didn't do anything wrong with Eccles, did she? No. I think I didn't like the Eccles bit was because everybody was me- being mean to her, whereas this one, when she was crying, even the policeman was like, oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, Friday, Friday, Leanne is telling Simon that this Wendy woman doesn't trust her. Um, but it doesn't matter because Wendy's all done. She's collected all the evidence that she needs and see you at the hearing, Leanne, which I think is supposed to be next week. So Simon tells Leanne, no, don't worry, I'll speak to Wendy. I'll, I'll you know... Say what a great mum you are. I'll say what a great mum you are, just so that she's got one more little bit of evidence and hopefully we'll be able to keep This woman is uh, so Ollie fantastic, going. I named my dead rabbit after her. But that's basically what you should say, mm-hmm. isn't he? He goes and speaks to her, he says all the right things, basically. I beat her up and she didn't even complain. The whole point of this is just so that he can get hold of her dictaphone, which she um, very handily leaves in the room after she's called out for a phone call. So over um, at... Um, the Platt's house, Nick and Gail are having a, another one of these heart-to-heart mum and son scenes. I thought that was some really great stuff there between Helen and um, uh, and Ben, actually. It's basically talking about Sam going in, maybe Nick says... Well, is Sam it going in what? To, to go and see Oliver, maybe having another kid around is going to... You know, the kid, a kid's voice might stir something in Ollie and Gail's saying, oh, I don't know whether that's the right thing. It may be a bit traumatic for him. Sam. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what Gail was saying. Yeah. And... Um, Speaking of trauma, this is when Nick admits to Gail that he's really, really struggling and he's he's realised things are never going to be the same again. I really like this because this is something that you... When you go through something really... Um, tra- well, traumatic is the only way I can think of. When somebody dies or something like this happens, you do. You suddenly have this realisation, like, my life has changed and I can't go back to where I was before. Mm. And so see- seeing him vocalising that, I thought was really good writing and really good performance I, I really liked it at the end of the scene where he just says I love you mum and she's like I love you too and you don't get that very much no. between those two do you yeah. Gail's like oh you know you'll get over <laughs> she, it <laughs> she, she quite sensibly and seriously says that times are great healer I think that I think that she did a really good well, no, yeah good she does she says job. yeah that's a really good thing to say time is a healer because it's like she wasn't saying get over it or you will get over it or whatever she was saying I know it's tough well, she kind of says, I've been through so much tragedy, but not in a way to like, rub it no, in or anything. Like, but she really, if anyone knows from first-hand experience yeah. what it's like to get over the death of a loved relative, it's Gail. You know, sometimes you even forget they even existed, Nick. You, you'll be surprised. <laughs> so Simon comes in and shows Leanne and Nick. He, well, he's looking a bit guilty about <laughs> it, isn't he? He's looking a bit sheepish. Because um, he's, he, he's, he's a bit, of, he's a bit a, a, a bad lad, but he's got... He knows his right from wrong, doesn't he? And he realises, oh, I think we could get in trouble for this. I've taken this dictaphone. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if I should have done And Nick it. says, look, if we just take it back, then nobody will know and it'll be absolutely fine. And, and Leanne's straight away like, no, hang on a minute. I want to listen. I want to buy on to what Wendy's been saying about me. Well, Thank you very much. But I'll take is, that. You, once you've got this thing, you can be accused of listening to it. And you can't prove that you did or you didn't. So you might as well. 
Yeah, although knowing then they probably forgot to rewind the tape afterwards once they finished listening to it. Wendy's, I was just wondering, it, well, we'll get to what happens at the end. So they listen into it and they, they start to hear um, the interviews that Wendy had done with everybody, including Dr. Ward. But it's and, Dr. Hospital. Oh, yeah, sorry, it was, it was Dr. Hospital, wasn't it? And Leanne is just listening, not, it's almost not to hear what's <laughs> being said, but just to pinpoint out get the stuff bits that's gonna that. Make- yeah, so she can she's honing in on anything at all. Yeah, you're right, that she can spin as negative. And then they... So once she's, she's heard all she wants to do from that one, they skip to the next one. And this was the tail end of the interview with Nick. Um, and was it from last week's episodes or two weeks ago? I can't remember. But it's basically the, the scene that ended with Gail speaking to Wendy and saying... Well, basically, that Nick has given up on Oliver and he can't admit it to himself. He's trying to be strong and trying to be a good dad and everything. So Leanne has heard Gail saying <laughs> Nick doesn't think that and Ollie's he... going to get through this. And it's like, oh, that's a bit awkward. Just then, that's even worse. Right on cue, Gail comes in yep. at, the, at the end of the Hello, scene just to speed things right? up a little bit. Why are you giving me that Gail look? bears the full brunt of Leanne's raging fury and Nick has to step in and say... <laughs> the mum's mum's lying because I think Gail no, was trying to cover. The truth. Yeah, mum, get what well, she she was telling the truth then, but Gail tries to cover up why she said that. Yeah, because Leanne's Nick, like, why would you do this? Why would you say that? You're an awful person. Gail's like, um, I'm. Yeah, so so Nick says Gail was right. I, I, I. I think it's time I, to. I think it's time to, yeah. to 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 let him go. He says in the next scene, which was, I mean, when you hear that, I was like cringing and squirming oh, inside because it's it's a hor- such a horrible thing to say and I know you just know what Leanne's reaction to yep. that's going to be she's not going to go you're right Nick you've oh, made a really well reasoned decision that. there yep. I was thinking the same to myself actually yeah, I've been secretly thinking <laughs> that the whole time yeah but these all these trips to the hospital such a pain I know no Leanne refuses pumpkin. still doggedly to refuse up on Ollie as she should and if Leanne had backed down then I would have thought, no, that's that's out of character. No, she's like, what you as well? She's going to have to eventually. Everybody There's going to be some tragic scenes with Leanne pushing a button or something. In I a couple don't of weeks think they time. give you a button. What do they do? It what then? are you talking about? They give him a knife, slit his throat. Michael, be sensitive, please. I don't know how they do it. Michael, they don't put the bloody parents in charge of it, do they? What they'll do is say we're going to remove life support. And we don't know how long he will be around for. All right then. And it, uh, he will slip away. He won't. He won't know what's happening. Don't worry. He won't suffer. All I'm trying They're to remember. I'm not going to go press this button. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're not doing it. We're washing our hands of yeah. this. Can't, the, can't blame us this, for this one, Leanne. We call this the kill switch. <laughs> I'm just no. I'm just in the back of my head. I'm thinking about when Charlotte Hoyle was in um, intensive care ten years ago. Right. After, and I'm sure that it was. I think I've got memory John of State, that as well, where they who, said to John, like, would you like Charlotte's to cut the, the, the Hoyles, <laughs> basically, it was the, Charlotte's parents were there, and they were like, oh, you knew Charlotte so well, I think you should be the one that does it. Maybe I remember it. Maybe things were different back the, then. the cord out. Maybe if it's wall. a kid, then it's the doctor that gets the, uh, the hard task of doing it. But anyway, we're, oh, we're getting Michael, into... you're so insensitive. Rather insensitive... Uh, t- uh, Territory. territory here so I apologise anyway so Leanne is saying how can you betray Oliver like this there's no coming back for this now we're finished yeah. and and yeah Leanne's, and Nick's saying no we, we, we've got to let him go and she refuses to give up on him but Nick's he, he's now trying to present the evidence that there are en- there's not a single doctor that they've spoken to that thinks that Ollie's got any chance of coming back from this 
Um, he says it, it's cruel and unfair, but we we got to admit it, it's over. And I think deep down, you know that. And she kind of gives him a look, doesn't she? But, oh, dear. Uh, yeah. I, I, I still don't, I don't know whether she knows it. I think anybody... It's hard. You'd think that anybody in that situation would know it, but you'd think you were betraying him if, if you give that thought more than... Yeah. You know... Leanne's the only, the only thing that, that Oliver's got left. Yeah. So she she would feel like a terrible, terrible mum if she thought about that for more than a second. She she pushes it right... She can't... In her mind, right, this is the thing. In her mind, she's the only thing standing between Oliver and, and death. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, if she gives up, she's the one responsible for killing Oliver. Yeah. You're right. And and she's a sensible woman. She's intelligent. I mean, this is what um, Dr. Uh, Hospital was saying to Wendy on the dip. Yeah, phone, like they're really they're good both, parents. They're, they're good parents. They just want to do the right thing. They're both educated. Yeah. Well, Leanne's not educated, mm. is it? Me? <laughs> she's, but she's uh, went to the streets, the University of Hard Knocks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, but, the th- yeah, I mean, the thing is... For all that we're saying, oh, Leanne mustn't realise, I mean, Leanne must realise, the amount of times you've seen stories online or in magazines like, oh, miracle happened, I was told I would die, I was given six months to live, and now, you know, I, I cured myself, I, I did this or the other, you know, there's always a miracle, there's always a miracle. I don't think there is for this disorder, this No, disease, there can't be. But I don't think that... She must it's have, fair to say that she's delusional. She must have entertained the idea at some point and then did. just buried it. Yeah. Because she can't allow herself to think it. She's but, the only one he's got left. Yeah, and she's just pushing everybody Literally away now. that's that's suggesting it, which in the end of the episode includes Nick. She starts to blame she'll bring Sam, Sam into it and says, Oh, oh well, shiny you, new son. Yeah, exactly. You don't even need Ollie, you're just ready to move on to the next one, which is cruel, but you, I can it's well, can it totally she why she it, would, yeah. would think that. And she's just clinging on to anything because she's now that Nick is standing against her, she's just kind of throwing at him and she knows that it's gonna hurt him to use his newfound son as a weapon against him. Well, she's probably and just then also she draws the like, final why would blow. He, like he, he's not saying this because Oliver's definitely gonna die. He's saying this because of Sam. Yeah. So it's, it's rationalising it like that in her brain is protecting her from the truth. Yeah, but anyway, basically they're finished this by the end the of the episode. This is not the first time she's told him this. No, she's kind of flip flops between we're finished and oh Nick, you're so wonderful. Nick, these... you're really supportive. Yeah, and and if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have this money. But yeah, this week we're ending on a we're finished. Yeah. And um, we also had just a little bit before that the scene with the dictaphone going back to Wendy and Gail. Um, <laughs> Gail trying to play hardball. Yeah. Like a mafia boss. She kind of says, Oh, well, look, isn't that your dictaphone there? Oh, what? You left it around. Wouldn't it be a shame if somebody had heard all your no, confidential like, Good job reports? We didn't listen to it and uh, we won't tell anybody that, you, that you're so clumsy you left all this confidential testimony lying around. Don't yeah. worry, your secret's safe with us. On your way. Mm. And Simon's like, don't give up your day job, Gail. Yeah, what is that these days? I think, oh, I've got no idea what Gail does. Right. Um, I think she's big on TikTok. What What have we got to add to this? I think we've kind of been talking about it as, as, we, as we've gone along. What did you think about... Let, let's go with the Emma stuff first. Did you think that she was right to make the confession? Yeah, because this is the sort of thing that if you don't, you just... You just hangs around for ages and you eventually get found out yeah I, it did feel a bit harsh with everybody saying just go off to the station and she had to take the long <laughs> and lonely walk there you're on your own love i know we should have had a scene really of her you know like a high scene of her <laughs> walking in there on her own but just 
it, it felt maybe that it was tragic enough already. I really loved, I really loved her just crying in the in the police. This is what I would do it, if it I was, was a bit ever like a, in trouble. I just cry and cry and cry. It was a bit like me. a lame dog, kind of hobbling into yeah. the vets to go and get its lethal Can injection. You put me down. Yeah, basically. But um, you, oh. you're right. She she kind of had to because these things always. Yeah, the truth always comes well, out, especially was, in soaps. It was donated through two lawyers. Is like, oops. Yeah, it was. It was just a shame that it was swept under the carpet a little bit. The I fact that there was an armed gunman last back. week. I know. Is this the end of it now? Well, Can't I don't we? know because when she, one of the things she says in the interview, when the police officer asked her, was, "Does your lawyer know about this?" and she says, "Yes," and it just makes me think that. Either Imran or Elliot are going to get into big trouble for this. No, I don't think so because they both said they both went. Okay, yeah, you have to go to the police. But they would have. They no, I don't think so. Surely I, I d- not. I wonder whether Imran should have gone to the police as well, or have they? Has no, he just told listen, Elliot, and then they're saying, "What? Well, we're not going to keep this quiet they, now." Okay, Michael, if they had gone to, the, if they'd gone to the police, Emma would have been in more trouble. The fact that they told Emma to go gets everyone off the hook but what, i think because if 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 they had gone then emma would have been in concealed concealing it as well they didn't actually commit a crime at they they did commit a crime because there are certain crimes that you can commit without actually knowing you're doing it and this is one of them i think um but they well, as soon as they found out they have instructed her to go to the police but have they given the money back of course they would have had to. The police aren't going to go, all right, yeah, we'll give you a fine and it's 5% of the total. So don't money launder again, but just so you know for future reference, <laughs> yeah. you keep yeah. the money. You only take a little bit of it back. Yeah, because we think you, you know, you've gone to all this trouble. Mm. And it is for a sick kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 just, I thought that was my favourite bit of the story this week. As, as much as I have been loving the, the Nick and Gail and Leanne and Oliver stuff, I... I there's not much to say that we haven't said for the past six months of this story. And like, isn't it brilliant? Isn't everybody involved doing an amazing job in the whole acting department? Isn't it tragic? Isn't it a you know, catch twenty two situation? You know, it, and and now and now we've got the trial coming. When what do you think is going to happen at the the court hearing? Are we going to have? Oh, this court hearing. I don't even think it's going to be one. Why? Well, well for Ollie. Yeah, because it feels like it's coming up soon. The way they're talking about it, especially Wendy, she's like, "Well, my my job here is well, done." Where is it? Where, Wendy's doing the hearing before the trial. I don't know. I, you know. It's all the same to me. You know the the official stuff. With Wendy's the... going to like release what she thinks, and she's going to be like, uh-uh. "Um, here's there, the button." <laughs> there's no way that anyone's going to you know side with Leanne. Anyone? No one's going to go. Do you know what? After having seen the evidence, she's got a point. Mm. they're all going to go yeah like you've been told before a million times yeah I'm I'm still wondering what part Steve's going to play in this because like I said earlier when he was saying I wouldn't sacrifice Emma for Ollie it was I know it's saying that my children are both equal to me but I think there might have been a, a hidden meaning to there like I don't think it's worth sacrificing you for this Emma and and I still said a few weeks ago that Steve needs to be the one that tells Leanne and maybe she makes can't. her see yeah, but, but and now Nick has like, now Nick has told her but she still got left. she still got the whole thing to say well obviously you would say that because you got your new son yeah but then if, she'll say to Steve oh yeah you would say that because you've got two daughters you don't care and you're a man you can have another kid whenever you want this is my only chance but 
I, I think I, I, I just feel that now, no, now I'm at the stage where I think nobody can get through to Leanne. She's got to come to this by herself. But, but Ollie is you know blood related, literally the son of Steve, and 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 Nick. She can still say, well, you're detaching yourself from from Ollie. You're not his real dad. You've got nothing to do with him. You've got no ties to him. But she can't. She can't say to Steve, well, you've got no ties to Ollie. So yeah, I, but I, she, I think no, but if he says, what. She can still say, you've got other children, I don't have any children, sorry Simon. Also, <laughs> you're a man and you can have more kids and I can't. I've just explained to you how she can say it. You think Leanne won't take any opportunity to spin it so that she's right and everyone else is wrong. She's, she's brilliant at it. She can take anything. But in the end, I still it. feel that the way this is going like, to go is her being there and saying... Okay, switch off the life yeah, support. Yes, I agree with you. So what's going to make you're her do sa- that? Yeah, you're saying it's Steve, and I'm saying no. It will come from her. She's going to realise herself, Michael. After in, in having a watched, monologue for Leanne. After having watched scenes and scenes and scenes of various people telling Leanne there's no hope for your son, and now Gail and Nick telling her, you really think that Steve's going to be the one? I don't know. I don't. I. I just. I just think it could be quite dramatic if say steve is called up to the stand or something and and when he's put on the spot what do you think that's how they do a court case i don't know i don't know you're on trial and if you lose you're we're gonna press this button (laughs) it's not give testimony about whether you think your son should be killed or not okay okay. what are you talking about right well i don't know what i'm talking about i'm just wondering i'm really really looking forward to seeing where it goes next week it it it's leading to the climax, and this has been a I'm great, great story. What you, your version of how that, how this would happen? Like the judge is like, we're here to decide the whether fate. or not to drown this child. Uh, please come up, uh, the the father of the child, and if you're not convincing enough about how much you love him, we'll definitely kill him. I hope they're not going to drown him in Weatherfield Canal because they're always finding bodies in there. Well, he won't be out. He won't be able to drown him. He'll just bounce off at a corpse. There. <laughs> Like, he's not sinking. Why? He's on top of three corpses. Oh, I... Who was in charge of dredging the canal? <laughs> um, yeah, Le- Leanne's, Leanne's um, come down from this or come back or whatever is going to be very difficult to watch. Uh... Again, Jane, this is the thing about this storyline is that every single week we, you know, it goes without saying, but... Jane Danson's performances continually. She must be so drained playing this. Mm. She is so fantastic. She's so convincing. She, you feel for her so deeply. Even after all these weeks of her being insufferable and horrible, you can still absolutely sympathise with her. And she's she's like she. Imagine how you'd feel if you were genuinely convinced, like Leanne is, that there's a chance, or there's hope. You can't do this to my son, and you just watch everyone around you yeah, gradually. The, everyone who has been supporting you, you. And saying, "Actually, no, I think you're wrong, and he should. You know, it's time to let him go." Mm. And you're there going, "No, but he reacted, or you know, he might get better. You don't know. Nobody knows." I don't think we've seen very much, if anything, of what. Toya and Imran think of Ollie's chances, do we? Toya just is always very, very nice to and supportive of Leanne, but I deep down do wonder what she actually thinks is happening. She she must know, but we've not I seen her. I don't know her. whether it's unconditional support of Leanne is actually helping her. Mm. It feels like, say, Emma is a good supporter of Emma. Emma believes that they can. Say volley. That's, I think I don't because want to be rude to Emma, but I think it's because she's not bright enough. She, to she's t- she's too naive. Leanne. She's naive. <laughs> um, That's a nicer way of putting it. But I, I think Toya must know, but she has got the sisterly support. But maybe it's 
Maybe it's her that sells it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that, that's just before we move on to the next one. I just wanted to go back to the Johnny and Jenny story, which was swept under the carpet halfway through Monday's episode. It, I, I didn't like it when Jenny said to Johnny, let's not talk about this. It feels like that that's going to brew up and it's going to resurface again in a few weeks. I think that um, this is far from over and Johnny's just going to get himself wound up into a frenzy because any time he tries to talk about it, Jenny shuts him down. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I think that could that that's one to watch maybe. Mm. Um, do you want to go on to the next story? Mm-hmm. It's your turn to talk about it. It's the Asher Pasha's storyline, Gemma. What's been happening here this week? <laughs> on... Monday, we have a whole thing that they like doing on the show where it seems to me that very often teenagers or children on the show, the main thing they want to, their parents to buy for them are, are trainers. It is. It's not the first time, is, is it, that, that kids have wanted trainers on this show? I mean, I remember when I was a kid and having trainers was a big deal. I just would have thought that kids would have moved on from that, but I guess not. I, I was never bothered about a trainer. Did. Oh, of course you were. <laughs> I always used to get high techs. <laughs> um, <laughs> is is Asher after some Yeezys? So I want to know. What's a Yeezy? Isn't that the Kanye West's horrible trainers yeah, that cost hundreds of dollars and people queue up outside trainer shops? I don't know. She they call very... themselves sneakerheads. Okay. Did I you know that? No, I, did, I don't know. No. She wants a lovely pair of rainbow trainers, we find out this week. Yes. Um, Dev, which he's convinced Adi is jealous of. I don't think that they would really suit him. Well, they make out that these are like super designer trainers that everybody wants. Yeah, I don't think they would fit everybody's style. I don't. I don't think they really suit Asher, to be honest. But I, what do I know? You don't know. Dev refuses to give Adi an advance on his wages for to get trainers. Asher's texting Corey. Then Corey comes to the kebab shop and he's bought Asher's trainers. And so this annoys Adi even more because he wanted trainers and Asher's getting some. Um, they talk about... Um... They're winding them up, aren't they? Because there was, there was something earlier on in the episode where he talks about this girlfriend that he's, that he's got and, uh, and they don't believe that she even exists. Artie so... tells Dev that Asha and Corey are having sex and that's why she's, given, she's been given these trainers. And Dev sends Artie upstairs and Asha's like, no, no. Later on, Dev wants to chat with Artie and Ardy realises that actually he doesn't want to chat about him. He wants to talk about Asher again. And all he cares about is Asher. And um, he's like, oh, 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 by the way, they're definitely sleeping with each other. Um, on Wednesday, Asher's going on about Corey. Asher's going on about Corey to, to Ardy, isn't she? she or, no, to, to Amy, sorry. Right. <laughs> and... Um, oh. He's changed his relationship status on Facebook or Instagram or something. He's ordered a face mask with her oh, face yeah. on. Oh, yeah. That was weird. And Amy's like, oh, have you, have you slept with him? Um, he's well fit. And she's like, no. Um, and she's like, well, you should be prepared to end up like me. It seems like it's Corey's main personality traits are fit and minted. Yes, fit and minted. Who wouldn't want a boyfriend who's fit and minted? And also... Um, capable of buying you shoes at the drop of a hat. That sounds bloody great to me. Dev offers to make it up to Ardy by buying him a new pair of trainers and gave him a dad and lads day. And and Ardy's like, okay, whatever, dad, yeah, fine. Um, later on, Asha has gone to see the doctor and she has been given... The, the doctor? Not just any doctor, Gemma. Are you sure it was Dr Gaddis? It was Gaddis? definitely Dr Gaddis. 
We didn't get to see it, but it happened. Did she say it was Dr. Gaddis? She does, yeah. Okay, Michael. <sighs> She's got the pill from Dr. Gaddis, the contraceptive pill, and she has said you should probably talk to your dad, but she doesn't want to. Amy says, hide them. It doesn't do a very good job because as soon as he, uh, she comes home, Dev's there and confronts her, saying Mary saw her coming out with the medical centre. Um, are you pregnant? If, you, if you're not, why are you there without me? How come you can blah, 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 go without me, yada, yada, yada? Asha says, sorry, Dad, I was getting the pill. And he's like, oh! That, the whole thing about Amy recommending that, uh, that Asha hide the pill... It felt like it was going down. A, oh, here we go. She's going to hide it. Of the so, bin. Yeah, and and they never went there. It felt. Like, I don't know why they even bothered having Amy suggest no, that think, they hide it. She hides it. Well, because I think that's what you would say if you knew that her dad was Dev. I'm glad that they didn't go down that route. No, I am as well. But I think it's a realistic conversation between. Mm. Uh right. So <laughs> Dev does not want his daughter to go on the pill. She's fifteen. He is furious at the idea that she could be contemplating having sex. They're both shouting at each other. Ash is defiant. Dev's like, that's it. I'm going to give Corey a welcoming party. He'll remember when he gets here. And then he bans Corey from seeing Asher for a life. And Corey's like, what's going on? What did I do? And Dev's like, you pressured my daughter into having sex. She's on the pill because of you. And Corey's like, what? You No, uh, we're not sleeping with each other. And Ash is there, like, mortified, having to say, I'm just trying to be sensible. I'm just trying to be ready for when I'm 16. And then um, Deb tries to apologise her, to her. And she's like, no, it's my body. I'll decide what I do with it. And Deb is heartbroken. Arnie comes back. And, he, and Deb's sitting there with his head in his hands. And Arnie's like, oh, well, great, great day thanks out. Thanks for your dads thanks, and lads say, Dad. Thanks for my trainers, Dad. And Dad's like, oh, I'm really sorry, but you're, you're, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, son. I couldn't come with you because your sister's uh, planning on having safe sex and I can't deal with it. <laughs> so Andy's not surprised. And again, he's been put, his nose put out of joint because he sees Dev basically giving more attention to Asha. On Friday, they're all having aggro with each other. Arty's playing Mario Kart because Dev won't let him play any other games. I thought that, that was funny. I, I was like, oh, they're in Mario Kart. They don't really sh- usually show. They even have the They sound. never show games that I play. And I was like, oh, he's playing it. I like it. And, and then, and then, then he dissed it. it and said, well, it's a kid's game, but I'm not allowed to play anything else. I'm like, well. Well. I put a tweet out and Adam Hussein said that you like Mario Kart. So, so it's, it's recommended. Yeah. Um, Asha and Amy just reckon that Arty's jealous of her trainers and they talk about how they're worth loads of money and limited edition or whatever. And Asha says, Asha tells Amy about what's going on between Dev and Corey. And um, Asha's like, I don't know if he, if, if Corey knows, I want to wait till I'm 16. Later on, Dev tries to apologise and say, look, I'm really sorry. I messed up. You don't come with manuals. I'm a single parent. I'm just making up as I go along. I don't know what you guys want. What do you want? And they both go, we don't want to go to the stupid school anymore. We're going to go back to Worthy High. We don't fit in anymore in your skin. So Dev's like, okay, fine. Um, and then he says he's made lovely dinner. And um, he says, Corey can come over for curry on Corey. <laughs> Corey comes around and he and Dev bond over golf because Dev likes golf and Corey's dad. Is a good, he's a golfer and he's on the committee of something and his 
he used his dad used to something 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 famous golfer. Yeah. And I think that, I like, think that Artie could bond with Corey over this. That's he used to be a, you know, a pro, pro golfing kiddie. Yeah, dinner was a success, and then Corey's like, "I can't wait to get some quality time with you, Asha," and she's like, "Oh no, shouldn't have got those pills." I, uh, yet again, I'm absolutely loving this story. It's really just because nice. of the, it's not high stakes melodrama. No, it's proper proper. It's, relatable, even though we don't have children, it's proper relatable, like household drama. Yeah, I mean, of characters interacting and all having conflicting desires and and motivations and trying to to reconcile that together as a family. Yeah, I mean, you get you on the one hand, you got your your Debbie Ray story, and it's like, oh, they're gonna knock down all the buildings on the street, so it's massively high stakes. And then you got your Ollie's on death's door and everybody's turning against Leanne and and that's huge high stakes. And this is so, you know, low stakes in a, in many ways. And you and that's what makes it relatable. And the thing that I love about this is that all of the three main players in it are all so sympathetic. I feel still so bad for Dev that he's been dropped into this situation. What he was saying today about I don't get a manual to be a dad mm-hmm. and, and you know, obviously Sunita died and I've had to raise you. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. He wants to protect his girl, which which is, you know, it's not a a new idea in fiction by any means, but to his see daughter, him, yeah, but not but girl. yeah, to to see him going through it and wanting to do his best because he, you know, that this is the job that he's been landed with and he wants to protect her. It, it's it's so so relatable, uh, and he feels and he can see it's it's the age old thing of seeing your daughter growing up too fast and you're not my little girl anymore. He, Jimmy well, is doing also, such a wonderful job. It totally, I totally understand why he's like, oh my God, you're 16. You're like, you're not even 16 yet. Please don't think about doing this. Mm. But um, it must be something that, so, you know, fathers up no and down idea. the country go through. I know. And also, Ash is not wrong at all. Like, if she's going to think about doing it, she should definitely look into contraception and, and i think said, I, I, like, I think it's really refreshing how sensible she's being about it which is quite, yeah. why i'm also incredibly sympathetic to her yeah she's not going to fall into this teenage uh mother trap like sarah amy and faye no she's not she's Hopefully. got she's she got her head screwed on she's sensible she's got glasses that's how True. you know she's clever <laughs> She says that she... That's why she's fine to go to go back to Weatherfield High. She's got a secret disguise, like, you know, a Clark Kent glasses, and nobody's going to recognise her, so they're not going to mention the whole we've seen your boobs on the internet kind of thing. Yes. And she also said she's going to make Corey wear a condom, but I don't know whether Corey... This seems like the sort of person who would be down with that because he's probably all in for her being inconvenienced, but not himself. Well, I'm not really fond of Corey even now I don't know whether I'm supposed to like him I know well I was wondering that and it felt like on was it Monday or Wednesday's episode I can't remember when he first gives her the trainers that must have been Monday we were definitely not supposed to like him because they were making fun of Ardy who is the third person that I'm feeling really sympathetic for I know for. poor Ardy because he's just being shoved into the sidelines nobody is interested or cares about what he thinks about anything and Dev only seems to be able to relate to him as to uh, through Asher and like him snitching on her yeah and this again is nothing new to have you know two kids and one of them feels like the other one is is being favourite or yeah, getting more attention they've done it on Corrie millions of times before but 
because really, I really, love all yeah. of the actors involved, they're I think really that good. Adam Hussein, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. He's they, so, they so really good. Well they are a, such a great, great team. Yeah. They've got a, such a brilliant family unit. The Allahans are really are yeah. ones to watch for the future. This is a really good storyline. Really good storyline. And yeah. it's such a simple, basic story. You know... It is. It's, the, it's, it's, it's it's simplicity. It really isn't something that I can imagine somebody suggesting in the writer's room and everyone going, yes, brilliant idea, we'll do that. But it is the sort of thing they should be doing more of because I always say this time and time again, the biggest strength soaps have are the characters. Nothing can compete with a soap when it comes to character development. Yeah. And this story is proof of that. This is character drama. This yes. isn't a plot. Yes. But, I mean... I, I think that it could turn into a plot story and that I've seen some people's suggestions about where this could go and some of them are weird, like, could this be something where is there going to be some sort of twin cest story with, no, and people are saying you. no, or is Ardy going to try and bump off Corey or something because he I wants to protect so. her? I, I, is, I really, really don't need yeah. this story to get It doesn't need to be sensational. But the other problem with the characters' character stories is, like, like this is, there's only so much they can go and it's at the moment it feels like it's kind of solved Dev managed to get one round to Corey fairly easy the the lingering bits here uh, it feels like Corey thinks that Asher is saying I'm ready I'm, I'm ready for you where she's not so is he going to try and get a bit too hot and heavy with her before she's ready is there is there going to be something like that is, is Adi going to walk into the house one day and find you know Corey you know, on top of her on the sofa and she's trying to push him off and then he hits her over the head with a the Sunita statue from a shrine or something. Or a statue, yeah. I, 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 I wonder whether it's going down that route. Because if, if because everything else that we've had with Asha, the, the Asha Flasher story earlier this year and the, the skin lightening one last year were great, great character stuff, but they're over a bit too quickly because it was... Yeah, there were simple storylines, simple mm-hmm. character storylines. So, and, and and I think that Coronation Street will have hopefully recognised what assets they've got in Tanisha and and Adam uh, and Jimmy really yeah. as well. Um, and they'll That's they'll really want to good, they'll this? want to give them some big stuff to do. And maybe next year is the year that the Allahans are you know really pushed to the forefront of well, Coronation Street, which means giving this. them big stories. Sensationalist stories. Fifteen. There's plenty more teenage angst to come. Yeah, but the the fact that the actors are now both they're adults, Tanisha and Adam, means that they can they can throw a whole lot more work at them. Yeah. So I, I it wouldn't surprise me if, say, even I don't know, next year's Britain's Got Talent week is revolves around what this lot are doing. I, I really, really think that I really think that they are ones to watch. Okay. Um, I was what. But yeah, I, I don't know whether we're supposed to think Corey is evil or not. I guess it's a wait and see because he seemed quite genuinely nice and normal in after the whole you know golf talk with Dev, and, it's, and I was almost a bit disappointed because I I kind of want him to be a bit of a nasty piece of work. But I think he's a nasty piece of work. There, there, there's still there's still definite potential there. I think he's the sort of guy who would try to get him to bed and then just sort of move on. Mm, mm. Um. I think that I was wondering about this story that Adi was saying about his girlfriend. Like, is that going to turn out that this girl really does exist, or is he making her up? Don't know. 
because he was that sort of saying, well, we, we, we keep our photos private, not like you flashing them all across the net for the world to see. It'd be quite interesting if it turned out he was telling the truth there, maybe, and he has got a girlfriend, but I, I think he hasn't. Um, no, that, and that's about it, really. I, I just think really, really great stuff with the Allahans. I, I, I'm not nowhere, they're nowhere near getting tired of them, which I can't necessarily say about the next storyline, the uh, the Babes in Grace story, which felt like it was just kind of meandering along this week. And it's a shame because the last time we got a little bit of this, it was the whole unexpected twist of Grace not really being Tiana's mum. And it felt like, wow, this is amazing. Where's this going to go next? And, and, all, and, and all we got this week really was Michael finding out about the baby. So he goes off, well, he's supposed to have an interview on Monday. I don't know how he thinks that the factory is going to be able to cope without him doing whatever. But well, he's he, also a designer. Oh, yeah, okay. we le- apparently he's got the design um, qualifications. And he, so he says he wants to move jobs to somewhere that has a design department, by yeah. which I guess he means don't just ship out all of their design work to the local part-time cafe worker slash teen girl. Yes, slash exactly. golf slash bat lover yeah, maybe we're going to see Nina and Michael team up and make their own business you know, next year predictions there you go um, yeah so he's got this interview and, and Ed says look I just think you should stick with what you've got don't have any ambitions son and Michael says but I just want to find me passion dad You'll but it doesn't him. matter because he gets waylaid somewhat my passion is not doing anything he goes to, why does he even go to the hospital oh no he goes to see his mum doesn't he because Aggie's back this week Aggie's back Aggie's back first time we've breakfast. properly seen her Oh yeah, it, literally the first thing that she's in, they have to throw in the, the the recycled old lines about her not being able to cook anything. It's like there's, there Don't must be more to the character then. than this. Literally, these people all are architects of their own doom. Because if I had a family member who was incapable of cooking anything, like my husband, I just wouldn't <laughs> let him cook. Like my husband, I do all the cooking in this house. Michael can't cook. But I don't think any of them can cook. That's the problem. It's not difficult. It really isn't. Well, I, I, I just let you believe that it is because I don't want to do the washing <laughs> up. Anyway, he's at the hospital seeing mum and what do you know, just while he's waiting outside. That's when Grace turns up, flanked by two officers. Remember, she's been arrested for um, trying to run away Kidnapping. with a baby. She sees Michael and shouts out, I'm pregnant. She swears it's his, but he's really, really doesn't know whether to believe her because no. the last baby that she said was his actually turned out... Ooh, a little burp there, I apologise. You don't need to tell everybody that's what you just did. They could I, hear I it. I didn't do it. He says... Um, you should take that out. You're disgusting. No, that's fine. It's, it's all natural. Carry on, Michael. He says, I don't know whether to believe you or not. What you did to me with Tiana was unforgivable. He walks away. She's there crying in the background. No. Michael, don't you the care? Michael, of my Michael. <laughs> and whenever we have things like that, we, like whenever people mention Michael or Gemma, we always give each other funny looks. <laughs> don't we? One day they just got to put Michael together, Michael together with Gemma, just for oh, one scene, it. just like a one night stand or something. Michael comes back just to number as a three. Tribute. Sorry, he, he goes back to, to number three. He hasn't gone to the. You, am I am I waffling too long here? I do apologise. James can see that Michael's stressing at the end of the episode. He says, he, tell, he tells him what's happened with Grace and everything. And James is like, oh, she must be lying. Grace phones. James answers it and says that Michael's not interested in anything that you've got to say. Thank you very much. Puts the phone down and says, that was somebody saying, if you're in an accident in the last two years. <laughs> Michael gets a letter from uh, Grace on Wednesday saying... Um, and a come scan. And, and, oh, yeah, and a scan. Saying, come and visit me in prison. So he's... 
it, it, there's only like three scenes on Wednesday's episode with them in. This is the problem with this this week. It was just a little bit slow. She's she's gone on the phone to him later in the episode saying, come and visit me for a face-to-face chat. So he does on Friday and they have a lot of angsty scenes there behind the plastic screen. Um, and, and she says, I, I, this is definitely your baby because this, this is the thing this week. Is she actually lying? But she seems adamant that she can get a paternity test. And so he it's kind of... He's kind of starting to believe more. Maybe this baby is actually mine. And, and then at the end of the episode, Michael says to James, yeah, Grace is still on my mind. He doesn't tell her that you went to see her. Um, but what we do learn is that he doesn't want Ed or Aggie to find out, which means that before long, Ed and Aggie are going to find out. And then they'll go, oh, so gosh, I think Ed will be happy, but annoyed that it's Grace is the mum. Yeah, and Aggie I would be like, I knew that woman was trouble. She tricked you into it. She, I don't. I think that she. We missed Aggie's opinion on on Grace being a kidnapper. Yeah. And now we're going to get to hear it. And she, I'm, I mean, I'm she, excited. She's going to demand that there's a uh, a scan, but also, I mean, test a, a test. Sorry, doesn't Aggie work in the the kiddie department at the the yes. hospital? She did the last time we saw her there yes. with Ollie. I don't know whether that's anywhere I at all linked to the. You're not trying to suggest that she's going to do nefarious. Well, with she, her she, she may well do. Hope not. I, mean, I don't know. Is the is the is the what's the sca- what's why... scanning called in the hospital? What's baby scanning? Sonography. Is is that that's not the same thing really as working on the children's no, ward, is it? But you know, there's only about three rooms in the whole of Weatherfield General <laughs> that I've ever seen, so I'm sure uh, she's got the chance to I go sneaking know. about and finding out things. Why does Michael want to keep this a secret from? Ed and Aggie, other than the fact that it means I there's a conflict, know. that then know. they're going to find it out, and he'll be like, "No, not really sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe because he doesn't want Aggie going off on one. And if he tells, maybe it's just because he wants to he... think about it first before they wade in and start telling him what he thinks. What do you think he should do? Do you think he should? What should? What do you mean? What should he do? Well, should he wash his hands of her and say? I don't think he's got a choice if he asks for a paternity test and it turns out it's his child. I don't think you can go, well, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, but do you think that he's going to end up, you know, getting back with Grace or anything? I think they will end up getting back together. I'm really interested to know what Grace, what will happen to Grace. Is she going to have her baby before she gets her court case? What they, what would they do with the baby? I guess she can stay with Grace or he, he can stay with Grace. But the thing I'm thinking about, honestly, is what would social services do? Because... Grace has proven herself to be somewhat unreliable in the care of children. Are they going to have a hearing or something and go, we don't think that Grace is capable of looking after this baby. We're going to have to put it into the foster care. And you're not, I'm sorry, Michael, but you were also involved and you're not allowed. I think that could be quite interesting. There could be a battle between Grace and Michael Mm. to keep the baby and Michael ends up keeping her. Yeah, it could be that. But like I say, it's also quite possible that the social services could get involved and say, we don't think you're competent. Mm. I just don't necessarily see Grace as a long-term character in this show. I know she's, you keep saying she's that. been in it a year now. We haven't seen much of her, so it might be quite convenient if she's told, no, you can't keep you can't keep the baby Michael's going to look after. Because like, yes, she kidnapped Tiana, but how how long is she what what is the punishment for that? I don't know. I don't think they mind as long as you give them back. <laughs> I, d- I just don't feel that that's the sort of thing that gets a really long jail sentence. You think you can just kidnap someone's baby and they'll say, look, you know that that was wrong, don't you? And you say yes. And, you, and they'll say, if you don't do it again, but 
I, we'll just fine you five pounds. It was clearly that she wasn't, you know, in full uh, mental capabilities. Yeah, or but if you're you. going to use that argument, then you're going to have to start to think: should she be allowed to have Tiana? And yeah, I'm only which saying, is what I was saying. Um, yeah, but I'm saying this from a point of view of only from a soap. Not, not I'm not talking about anybody in real life. I don't want people to think that I want to want oh, yeah, social yeah, but... services to snatch babies off of people. But in in the world of Coronation Street, they've had quite a few social services social workers coming into the show which is I don't really remember there being a lot of them previously I do think it's interesting and I don't I don't think people really understand sometimes how much power social services can have over you if you've never had any dealings with them whatsoever equally how stretched they are and how difficult it is for them to actually get their jobs done and protect vulnerable children mm-hmm. yeah they're often portrayed as the bad guys in the in soaps well, and yeah, TV it's not bad guys, just antagonists. Yeah, but um, no, I think that I think that there might be a court battle between Grace and Michael, and Grace ends, uh, Michael ends up keeping the baby, but Grace gets out of prison or is you know that off with a rap on the knuckles or whatever. She then kidnaps the baby, the new baby, and then she's told, right, you can have right, nothing not to do, do with this again. anymore. This is the Off second you time. You're in prison and then Michael is left with the baby very conveniently and they don't have to have Grace. Fool me once. There's, there's my long, long, far away projection of where the story's going. But How about um, they have a battle, she wins, no, he wins, she kidnaps the baby and then she runs in front of a tram and, and um, is about to die and he's like, Grace! And she looks at him and the tram's coming still. And she's there on the tracks, unable to move. Michael, I'm so sorry. I never meant for any of this to happen. And he's like, what? Move out of the way, Grace. Save yourself. Save the baby. And she's like, there's no time, Michael. I can't. I can't possibly move out of the way of this tram. The tram's coming. Michael, before the tram kills me, I just want you to know that I love you so much and I want you to look after our baby. And then she just lobs it. <laughs> and then he and then she gets run over by the tram. And then James comes in and goes, I've got it, I've got it on my edge, Dolph. And everyone's like, Well, at least it wasn't rugby because he would have just punted it. <laughs> right. Final story, Gemma. This is your one. Dill, we meet again. Sean and Dylan. Speaking of football... Oh, on Monday, uh, Sean's being a g- cool dad. Trying desperately to oh, be a no, good No, he is a cool dad because they had, he had ice cream, Dylan had ice cream for breakfast, and got to stay up late watching it. Now, is that the original or the remake? Remake, We I may say. never know. <laughs> but today, Dylan wants to hang out with Ardy. Uh, new they, friend. They love football and talking about athletes. Sean's like, why don't we do so- anything different than that? Um, and then Dylan says we can get uh, county tickets and go and watch a match. And Sean's like, huh, huh. you want to just again? <laughs> um, Ryan says... <laughs> he made a sequel to It. What's it called? It too. It too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan, Ryan says, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but actually the, the guy that is in county... James. I don't get why they had to have Ryan explaining this or suggesting this. Sean's I... probably like, oh, I thought he was like a hockey player. I don't know. I don't know about sports. <laughs> they literally live, what, three doors down from each other? Sean didn't think of... 
asking the, the guy the resident footballer. So anyway, so he's like, can so you like, hook uh, me up? Give Ryan more scenes. Also, the fact that Dylan lives down the road from a footballer and... Yeah, it's never come up so and far. And he's never, like, he's tried been... to look through his windows or stalked him or hung around in the ginnel. If I was Dylan... I would be in the ginnel playing football by myself, waiting for James to come out so I could go, oh, Joe, do you want to play a kickabout with me? You know what I mean? I That'd suppose be like a he's weird... only been there for a week. And, and uh, what, what I know that um, Dylan's reaction would have you believe otherwise, but James isn't exactly, um, insert important famous footballer here. So maybe Sean didn't think to... <laughs> To mention him because he's just James, isn't he? Well, Dylan's very impressed when Sean brings James round. Are you James Bailey? And James is like a, a ticket pimp because he's like, "Yeah, I'll hook you up. What do you want? Everything? Is this the no, episode?" This is when they say, "Yeah, this is when they say, do, do you want hospitality?" Want... <laughs> and Sean says, "I don't want them to be rude." <laughs> really there were line. loads of great lines um, this week. So he's like, Such "Yeah, okay, great." great. Um, Tommy A will sort this out for you because apparently the the Weatherby County players moonlight as ticket agents as well as footballers. Well, you know, unprecedented sequences. times, Jenna. yeah. Um, then he Sean is stunned to discover that these tickets are one hundred and fifty pounds each. And I guess this is justified because I don't think this is a normal amount for a team of it's, this caliber to charge no what kind of refreshments do you get for 150 pounds each bearing in mind dylan is a child and you can't <laughs> give him champagne sean's like can i pay you in installments or something can i have a bit more time uh, he asks uh, eileen on wednesday for a rent holiday and sean eileen's like during a pandemic i would be more than happy to give you a rent holiday so you can buy frivolously expensive football tickets to watch a match that you're not interested in, of course, Sean. Dylan overhears this, and um, he speaks to Violet. No, no, he he says to Sean, ask Violet, who's the mum, obviously, for some some money to pay for it. And she's like, no way, I'm not going to go according to her and Anton. And Dylan says, I'm not going to let you spend any more money on me. It's not fair on you. Stop trying to compete with my mum. This is basically what the story's about, isn't it? It's Sean's him inability feeling to compete. Yeah, with, he's with feeling inadequate because he, he knows parents. that already they've got the time and everything. They've got more time with him, with Dylan, than he has. And he's trying to connect with him in various ways. And it doesn't really work. And the only thing he can think of is throwing money at the problem, which he doesn't have. So Sean tells Eileen that Dylan told him off for spending money. And Eileen says, don't even try to compete with Violet and Anton. There's no point. You won't be able to. On Friday, they Sean and Dylan having a kickabout in the yard, and then Sean says, "I worry that you don't don't like me." Yeah, and he I says, know. "I don't not like you." <laughs> That's weird. And oh, then they agree to play weird. football on the computer, and Dylan beats Sean nine to zero, and then he gets a text from Violet. He's like, "Oh wow!" Um, I think the football parlance is nine nil. What did Just, I say? You said nine to zero. Just telling you, as 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 the man of the podcast, okay. I think that's what they call it. And I also learned that they don't call it an interval, they call it half-time from Sean this week as well, which is another great line. There were so many... Oh, I'm, I'm loving this, this is great. Um, Violet's booked them a New Year's getaway to a five-star castle in Scotland with a spa. Oh my God, can I come? Um, he goes off excited to phone his mum. Uh, I think they'll have the heating on. Leaving Sean there. And Sean's going to Eileen, oh, how come she's done this? I can't compete. I wish she hadn't said it while I was here. And then he vows to change his life to make Dylan proud. Whatever that's going to involve. He's going to forget know. in five minutes that 
as soon as Dylan's gone, he's going to completely forget this ever happened and blow all his money on sequined bomber jackets like he normally does. I know, I know. He, I, I don't know what he thinks he's going to do. How is, is he going to ask James for gonna... secret football training lessons or something? Or is he going to just try and get a lot more tough do. and manly and grow a big moustache? Work in hospitality at Weatherfield County football Oh, that's grounds, where all the money is, Raking yeah. in the cash, 150 quid a ticket for a lukewarm sausage roll and a bottle of pop. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not really. I don't sure know what. He, kind of I don't know what more change you can do. Really, I mean. I don't think Sean's the sort of character that we're going to see massive growth or change with, and a lot of people would do, say that Sean. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, Sean. Yeah, Sean is fairly. Yeah, yeah, superficial, isn't he? Yeah, and, I like uh, him like that, and, and I like him like this, and 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 lots of viewers despise Sean and they think he's very he's too one dimensional he's not not changed at all in Nothing 20 years wrong with being superficial. Um, and, and he is in need of a change or a boot but um, I'm not talking about football boot here <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I think any real attempt to change Sean would just make him not Sean anymore so yeah, I don't I really want to see it but I, I do think it's quite sweet how he's desperately trying to connect with his son again like the dev story Barely relatable and low key, really, like which is another stories, reason why I'm, I'm enjoying it. Trying to throw money at his children instead of actually connecting with them, because Dylan keeps saying, "Like I'm fine with how we are. Like I'm fine with you as you are. You're my dad." Yeah, I think he's. I think he thinks that he needs to do more than he actually does. I mean, he's already in his life, which is more than some some dads are. Mm. I mean, even if Sean does try to change, it's not. Uh, or the, the story's it. going to end with with uh, Dylan saying I love you just how you are yeah. isn't it I mean that feels like where it's going to go but I, I'm I'm enjoying Sean having a storyline I'm liking Dylan a bit more this week I mean from the moody teenager he was two weeks ago to you know fairly decent kid this week I think he's alright and we've had quite a few people on our Facebook yeah. group complimenting the actor and saying we've seen him in what is it yeah. Last Tango he was in and Last saying Tango in he Halifax, yeah, yeah he was absolutely fantastic in that yeah so because I'm, this to remind everybody this is the same actor who played Dylan originally yeah so he started off on Corey I guess and yeah, then he went, went away went away did, did some, some big things, shows yeah. now has come back here so um yeah, he he has more than proved that he can do some fantastic dramatic acting. I don't know in this particular he's story whether he's going story. to get. No, but he he's not. A, he's great. A, I'm not saying, but they haven't given him anything that makes me go. There's that. There's what people are talking about when they no, say no. Where it's still with uh, the the comparison to Sam is obvious, isn't it? Where straight uh, away don't compare we, them. So mean. We we thought that he was fantastic. That's and, because he was given a different introduction yeah that's it's completely down to how you introduce characters it doesn't feel that in this story he's going to be given the chance i I mean unless he gets caught up in some crazy stunt with todd or something i don't know but i don't even know how long he's going to stay in it i'm really interested in in what's going to happen here because i don't want this to be dylan came for three weeks sean was crying because he couldn't go to scotland and then dylan went home and sean forgot that he had a son again i kind of am thinking to myself is Violet going to turn up without Anton or something's going to happen where, I mean, the thing I'm, the soapy, soapy thing that could happen is that Anton and, and Violet could die. I know, which is what we said about Grace with Tiana last year, didn't we? Like, yeah. Sean is, is left with the kid. I mean, that's what happened to Chesney. Katie died and now um, Joseph be, has come back to work, live with him. It'd be quite interesting if if um, Dylan had this inheritance, you know, and, and Sean couldn't use it, but then he's got this kid who's, like, in, in 
um, accustomed to a certain level of, of living and he can't provide it, but this kid's got the money and, and you know, can you well, imagine? I'm, I'm thinking that, that that reminds me a lot of um, Vicky. The, the Vicky story yeah. where she was given the inheritance, but she wasn't allowed to touch it until she was 18, I think. And, and that, then she, Yeah. Um, she went round investing in t-shirt businesses. Yeah, exactly. Well, well done. Good, I do remember good, good something. Um, so, so maybe. I, I think that having... And that was back in the... That was back in the 90s. Yeah. I think that giving Sean a son could be the rocket up the bum that the character needs. And, and, and if they've got their hands on a decent actor, then they may well want to keep hold of him. But this, is, this does, again, seem to me to be a little... Another case of when all the storylines are kind of this similar, like they think of one idea and then they do it with all the characters. Like we've got we've got Ardy Asher and Dev all trying to relate to one another. And then now we've also got Dylan and Sean. Well, I wonder whether Jimmy, not Jimmy, Dev and Sean might bond a little bit because they're both struggling to connect with their teenage children. And Dylan and Ardy seem, seem to, to be, be you know, buddying up. I don't know. But I think that having Dev and Sean together in multiple scenes Doesn't could be a bit too much for some work. people to take. I think I'd probably quite love it. Dev was silly this week. He had that story about giving somebody the Heimlich manoeuvre in St Mary's Square, didn't he? And he yeah. doing, doing all the noises with it. Then he had his um, talking like Yoda scene earlier oh, on in the yeah. week as well. He's, I can totally see how he winds people up, but I'm, I think that Dev is absolutely wonderful. So that is it for this week very strong series of episodes i have to say i was I, t- today's ones didn't quite hit me in the same way as the others but i appreciated the the drama and the great performances in the ollie that, wobbles yeah, story brilliant. there's so but, much they've they, tell you what they've mined so much out of this ollie storyline mm. it goes to show you what they can get out of one story if they really really want to focus on it that's yeah. why it gets frustrating sometimes when you watch something and you're really invested in it and it ends up being a week or two's worth of story like ash's skin lightning mm. story there was so much more that could have been wrung out of that and and what we're seeing at the moment is still a natural progression from that, isn't it? About her not feeling confident in herself, but now she's got this boy paying attention to her. It, it, Making it, her feel it, good it about follows, herself. It, it, you're right, it's not the same story, is it? Um, but yeah, what, what I loved most about Monday and Wednesday was Debbie's scheming and machinations, <laughs> which we didn't see as much of today. And also Emma, I thought, was fantastic. Oh, we didn't see her at all today. I couldn't believe what I was seeing when Emma was in the police station. I know, I know. Oh, let her go. I I don't know. I am the character of the week this week. You know, some weeks you're like... Oh, I, don't I don't know, know. everyone was just equally so, as good as but each other. There are so many that you give it to this week. I could very easily give it to any of the Allahans, honestly. I could give it to Debbie. I could give it to Sally. I could give it to Emma. Um, I could give it to Leanne. I could give it to Nick. <laughs> Any of those would be really I want to give mine honestly to deserving to it. Because Emma made me made my heart break. I couldn't believe On a on a character emotions. point of view, the fact that Emma went and confessed was Oh quite I love her so much. Thing. I think she's rapidly becoming my favourite character. Um I mean she, I've liked her for a long time. Yeah. But <sighs> I I think I, oh, I, I'm, I can't remember the last time I've had so many options for character of the week. Abby could be another one as well. I, I think I'm going to have to go Debbie. 
think it's going to have to be Debbie, <laughs> partly because I started the week, you know, I suspected it was her, but I still didn't particularly like the character, so I wasn't that thrilled with the idea that she was Roxy. But just the way that the character she? suddenly comes alive and, and, yeah. and Sue brought a real sparkle to her. She is a, I loved her. She is a really talented actress. I, I want... She to Sally and, not, and Sally didn't even notice. Poor Sally. The, all of that on Wednesday I tell you what, was just brilliant. People call Sally a snob, but she's actually the victim of snobbery far more than she inflicts it on other people. What do you mean? People are so snobby against Sally because no. they're like, oh, you think you're better than you are. Mm. You literally can't say that to somebody without being a snob yourself. Yeah. I... I think what we were saying about Debbie earlier and is is she really a villain, is she not? I can't... I wonder whether she's going to have to, you know... Is she going to end up dead this Christmas? I don't know. I just think there's going to be a cop-out where Sally and Debbie both unite against Ray because they're really, like... I think it could be. They're the most lacklustre henchmen ever. I I think that it could very well be Abby and Debbie teaming up, but, but equally, I would be incredibly happy if 2021... Debbie is the big bad because we're not going to have Jeff anymore. I don't think she's. I don't think she's in it to be. I don't think an she is as well. But she just knows what she wants. But she could be. They could say. Now she, she was good. Let's take her down more of this dark route. And what have we said about Coronation Street needing a proper villainess? From what yeah. I've seen of her lying oh, and deception, I, love what you're I think that she could be brilliant. She's hard. She can be cold. She's it's practical. she. Yeah. She doesn't care if you like her or not. She was she was fantastic. Yeah, so she is my character of the week, but an awful lot of honourable mentions. Really, really strong week. What are you going to score it? <laughs> uh, th- this is a between a four and a four and a half week for me. I'm definitely giving this four, and I'm giving it four beautiful plumes. Four beautiful plumes out of, from, from Sally's chimney. Yeah. I'm glad the chimney got used at least once. As we went into tonight's episode, I thought, this could be a four and a half week if it keeps Maintains. me gripped and, and entertained and uh, and laughing at this and also you know feeling sympathy. I didn't quite get the laughter in tonight's episode that I wanted to. I don't know why, what it is about, you know, Leanne realising or um so but as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I think it's more of a four, but re- really good. I'm giving it four moles on Abby's backside <laughs> out of five. Um <laughs> Great, great stuff. Oh, you just got to keep it going another four or five weeks, Coronation Street, because if just we, be get, if we get four or five more weeks of this quality, then we are going to be leading into a fantastic 60th anniversary celebration. <gasps> Exciting. <sighs> Exciting. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, are you ready to talk about the news? Which we also have lots of great stuff to talk about we this do. week. Let's get on and do the cabin. Hello and welcome to the cabin. Hi. Welcome. Fancy sitting you here. Welcome, on. Oh, are you talking to the listeners? You've moved all my things around to a different order. Sorry, I, well, yeah, we, I, I've done a bit of reordering. Why? Okay? I put them in a deliberate order. Well, do we, what do you want to talk about first? I'll leave oh, it no, completely you, up to you've, you. You've moved everything around, so I'll do it in the order well, that you've decided. No, what the... First things to say is congratulations to Brooke Vincent and Victoria Ekonoi, who have, oh, we're both expecting new babies that they're Oh, that, growing. that's what they're expecting. They're, they're growing, growing inside babies, them. yeah. Brooke is expecting her second child. Mm-hmm. It has one. Mex. Called Mex. And this new child that apparently is coming is going to be here in spring. Yes. And uh, Victoria, she's also put in an order. Um, his first child, 
and she's expecting it early next year. Well, that's good news to both of those. Victoria, who played Angie Appleton, oh, yes, Brooke Vincent, right. who played Sophie Webster. It does mean that it's going to be a little while longer before we see Sophie returning to the street. Yep. I mean, it, we, we've, it's not been too long since Helen um, announced her pregnancy, is it? So it's quite funny that, that um, both Rosie and Sophie Webster's actresses are going to, well, are pregnant at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's, if anyone's hoping for a Webster reunion that doesn't involve Debbie, then uh, I guess it's going to have to be a little bit They've given longer. you another alternative Webster and all you do is complain. No, I, I, I said that Debbie was great this week. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to Brick no and Victoria. Wish saying. you all the best. And absolutely, absolutely. Good wishes for your bundles of joy and other assorted fluids. We also had this week. <laughs> I don't want to think about baby things, they can be gross. We had the soapy slip-ups that I wanted to talk about. Um, this was the bloopers programme that aired between the Monday episodes of Coronation Street. And I was already enjoying Monday's episodes quite a lot. But then to have this um, fantastic spin-off show shoved in the middle, where we got an hour and a half of Corrie goodness, it was just, it made my Monday night very, very... Um, it was very fun. Satisfactory. I was, I was, again, not having a good day on Monday either. And this cheered me right up. It was, it it was, was so good. It was really funny. It had... Lots of different um, sorts of slip-ups, isn't it? There was, there was corpsing, forgetting lines. There was prop malfunctions. A lot, yeah, and um, a lot of it. it I, I was, we were wondering about the fact that you know this is supposed to be part one of two, and is it going to be a second Cory one? Is it going to be a Cory one and an Emmerdale one? I don't know whether that's been announced yet. Whether whether we've missed it, I did kind of feel that a lot of this week's one did centre around a certain group of characters. We got an awful lot of Ben Price. We got, uh, and, and Jack P. Shepard and, and Jenny McAlpine was in a little bit, although there weren't a whole lot of, you know, fizz blunders. It, it felt like it was centred a lot around the Platt family. Obviously not just. So I, I guess there is the possibility that the second one can be different types different. I don't think it will be. Uh, I don't think it will be, but I'm just because... really, really hoping because it was so good. Because of the way they ended it, and I don't, I don't want to ruin it for people that haven't seen it. Um, but you need to, you need to watch it. It's it. so it's funny. funny. I mean, they put occasionally up on social media some like one or two minute bloopers clips over the past few years, but it happened so rarely that to get a whole half hour episode to it was just such a treat. And what I think it was honestly one of my favourite spin off kind extra. of side extra programs yeah. because. It was all new material, and whenever they make other documentaries or you know the Corrie Year stuff or the Icons programs or whatever you want to call them, it's always clips that you've often seen before, or actors talking about clips that you've seen before, or saying the same things that you'd seen. And, and I'm not saying that they're all you know just you rinse and repeat. There's been a lot of great stuff with the Corrie Extra programs that have come through the summer, but with you, you there there was a certain amount of it that always. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing this. I've I've enjoyed it. Yeah, this is great seeing this scene again. Brilliant. But all all the way through this, you never knew what was going to happen, did you? Um, and it just made it so so funny. And uh, yeah, I I really really loved it. And you need to get get on it and watch it if you haven't seen it already. And um, more, please. What I would also like, I think, is to have more slip ups from earlier years yeah because it was you know a lot of very recent stuff and it was like all from the last five years and it was mostly people mostly in it um apart from craig charles the thing i like yeah they had craig charles stuff didn't that was nice the thing i like most about it was the fact that um 
it they they talked about it. when when I heard it's going to be like a bunch of clips and also the actors talking about it I was thinking oh god I mean what can you say what can you say that's interesting what would a, what's the point of having the actors on to talk about the clips like uh uh-huh, that was funny wasn't it oh yeah that was funny as well actually it was that added a lot to it because they were talking about each other and um it was different people reacting to other people's clips too and talking about working with each other and mm. saying like who's who's the joker yeah you got who, a real insight into you know yeah. the, the interpersonal relationships between some of the members of the cast and like uh like jack and ben for example it, it's clear i mean if you listen to the sofa cinema podcast that they do um, you know that they've got a great relationship off screen anyway, but you could tell from some of their clips and like what, what there was one where, where Ben pronounces a word wrong or something, doesn't he? Ever so slightly, and then and Jack's just like that gives what? him absolute gives crap it. about it, and then he's like, yeah. "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> I liked, I liked. There, there's a couple of great Jane Danson ones as well. Actually, yeah. wasn't there? Wasn't there one where she was getting a line wrong over and over and over again, and then she gets it right, and then. Ben makes a slip up afterwards or something, so they have to reshoot That's the right. whole thing she again. She kept saying things wrong, and she was getting really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. I loved the one where um, James Burrow. Well, it was when Leanne had been run over by the car a couple of years ago, and um, James Burrows is there uh, pumping her chest to try and revive yes. her, and then he's like, "Her name's Jane," <laughs> <laughs> and she's just there cracking she's up laughing. with fake blood and all over her and face. She was and saying, "Oh yeah, I spent a lot of time on yeah, the floor, and I was days. really cold," and I was like, "No." please don't say the wrong thing. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, so much fun. I, I would love to see what... They, they must they must have them. Did they use all the best slip-ups on that first one? I don't I know. I think you'd be surprised at how few funny slip-ups there are well, that I mean, would make were... sense to people. Like I can imagine there's quite a few like in-jokes and funny things that make sense to them. But even like when they... You know sometimes when they have like a... Um, a comedy film and they they show you bloopers mm. from that and there's like three funny ones and the rest are just like yeah. people saying the wrong thing and it gets a bit but you know they've got 60 years worth i mean the thing they is, must though, be able to squeeze another probably, half an hour out of it we've probably seen all the most famous good ones like and the only one i can think of is well there's a, there's a few slip-ups that made it through like people saying things the wrong way around that's yeah. the thing. Back in the old days, Michael, all the bloopers went. They just there. kept on going, didn't they? Like yeah. the bit where the the um camera bumps into um Pat Phoenix and she gives them a saucy <laughs> look when she goes through the. I like door. the that reminded me of when that they um they had the one of the background guys just walk in on the middle of the yeah, set, didn't they? And the like, oh, and said, don't mind this us. is the take. <laughs> I, I really also liked funny. it at the end when they were talking about the fact that Bill Roach never makes any slip ups, and then they managed to get one clip of him sitting. Was it like sitting down on top yeah. of some crockery or something? And then and then he sat look, down. And his face... And the look on his face like, was priceless. Like, and, and he said, I was warned about that. Yeah. Loved it, really. If you haven't seen I mean, it, you need to try and... We've, um, yeah, sorry if we've spoiled that. I but... was avoiding it, trying to avoid <laughs> ringing the fun out of it, but we did it anyway. I'm sure that um, to see it is a to lot funnier it. than hearing us describing it. Um, right, you, do you want to talk about this this next um, little bit of news? Because this I, I haven't really looked into this, this um, ex-Coronation Street actress making right. the news this week. I thought I'd mention this because this was sort of doing the rounds in the UK and it was a, a big viral video even before I found this link out um, to Coronation Street because... I don't know if you know if you're not in the UK, but we're back in lockdown again. And the thing is, every single country's got very different rules. And so 
it's difficult to judge what's going on in different places and what's acceptable and what isn't. But at the moment, we're all back in lockdown again. But also care homes have been locked down and all the people in there are shielding. And so you can't really visit anybody. Mm. And it's really hard on people. And now we're going back into another lockdown and we don't know. Well, we don't know. what. Nobody knows when this is going to end and people are coming to the end of their tether, aren't they? So there was a viral video in the UK of a of a woman filming a scene which was in a garden centre car park of a police car and a um a normal car and there was um an old lady sitting in the front of the of the normal car and a, and a, a woman sitting in the back of the police car with handcuffs on and the person's narrating this who's the daughter of the of the mother in the back of the car and the granddaughter of the woman the old lady sitting in the other car okay. and she's narrating this and saying the police have come they've arrested my mother because we went to the care home to visit my grandma and she's been arrested for because we took we want to take her home with us to look after her, her at home because we haven't seen her for nine months she's got dementia she doesn't know what's happening it's not fair on us it's not fair on her my mum's a retired nurse she can look after her at home we don't want her to be in the care home anymore now they've arrested my mum mm-hmm. and they show this poor lady sitting in the back with the handcuffs on and then she goes and films the lady in the car and says you don't worry gran we'll we'll fight for you and all this and the lady the old lady doesn't know what's going on but it must be very scary mm. It turns out that the person who was filming this, I think, and is the daughter, is um, a Coronation Street actress who was in Corrie for a few episodes in 2016, who was Will's fiance. Oh, Will, glasses, Will. Glasses, glasses on, glasses off. Glasses Will, who wanted to um, molest uh, Michelle because she's so fabulous. And pushed Leanne down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. So Will's fiance is Saskia Larson, and the actress who played it is called Leandra, Leandra Ashton. And she is the daughter of um, Elena Angeli, who was the person who was arrested. Um, and her mum, her her mum's seventy three, and her grandma is ninety seven. Wow, it's poor, it's poor family. They've been on TV talking about what what happened. I don't think there's been much of a re- resolution in a positive way, apart from the fact that the mum was the arrested at the scene. Oh, okay. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know why they were arrested in the first place. I don't see how you can kidnap your own grandma. <laughs> but I don't I obviously don't, don't understand the situation. But I just thought I'd mention it because I think a lot of people have seen that video, but didn't, didn't know make the, the Corrie connection. Corrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's get on to our main events now. Well, we've left this one till last, the big one, and this to me is the most exciting news. And so this is this is fantastic. This is a 60th anniversary project that is being run the the people the main names behind it are mark llewellyn who we um well he's one of the people that's given us some coronation street tours i met him in the summer um he's um he's friends and has, has worked with a number of um coronation street cast members in the past and he is also a very good friend of julie goodyear so when I met up with him back in August, he told me that there was... We told you as well, didn't we? Because we went to see him at the garden centre. That yes. there was some... He's got this idea for a Coronation Street project that's going to be running in the autumn. And finally, we've been allowed to talk about it because um, and it, it's basically a twofold project. So It's very ambitious. It's a really ambitious project that's grown over time. But to cut a long story short, there's a load of Julie Goodyear's jewellery and plus a couple of other items um, offered by other Coronation Street actors um, that are going to be made available to bid for, all in aid of so Willowwood exciting. Hospice. Yeah. And there's, uh, they've also produced 
two films that they're going to put online in December for Coronation Street fans to watch. Again, you need to be able to you need to pay for them, donate money to the hospice, but they sound yes. so so exciting. And I'm going to be in one of the films. <laughs> I've done a little bit of a talking head about Coronation Street. It's been so it, I can't remember <laughs> how long so it, it's it's a couple of months ago that we recorded this, so we've yeah. had to stay quiet about this for quite a long time. But it's so exciting and, and I didn't realise even back then when we recorded it how big and exciting and how many Coronation Street star names from the past are going to be involved in it but you know what rather than waffle on any more about <laughs> it we thought it'd be a good idea to get the main man himself mark onto the podcast to tell us about his side of uh, you know tell his, us about to, the project to tell us the project and his story and why he's doing it yeah so let's just cut to that and and where i was speaking to mark a couple of days ago he can come and tell us all about it so here we go here's mark hi mark welcome to the podcast yeah, nice, nice to hear from you again. So for the benefit of the listeners who may not know much about you, could you give us a quick rundown of who you are and what your links with Corey are? Well, I did start as an actor and many, many years ago I was a director of the Oldham Coliseum Theatre on the outskirts of Manchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the Corey cast started their careers there, people like Hank O'Bride, uh, Bill Roach appeared as a young actor, um, Roy Barakoff, Julie Goodyear and so on. Mm-hmm. And... Um, while I was there, we still had a lot of connections. A lot of the cast would come and see shows or be in shows and so on. And while I was there, I got a call from Granada to say that they, the show was very big in Canada. And would I take a group of Canadian uh, Corrie fans around the theatre, which I did. And that led to me then being asked the following year if I would start looking after some of these groups of overseas fans. Um, so I've done that for about, I think we're on about 28 years now. Mm, nice. um, so uh, I've, I've had groups, mainly Canadian fans, but other countries as well, uh, who I look after for usually 10 days at a time. And then I've also been abroad, so I've you know, done stuff with the cast as well. So I, I've never actually, strictly speaking, worked for um, Correlation Street, but I've certainly spent a lot of time with the cast, looking yeah. after the fans and down at the studios. Yeah, yeah. And um, for the, for these online events, which which sound fantastic, they're all in support of the Willowwood Hospice, aren't they? Is that a cause that's very close to your heart as well? It is. Uh, again, uh, probably for about the same length of time I've been involved with the hospice. Now, the hospice is 21 years old this year. I got involved before there was a hospice in raising money to build it. Mm. Um and uh, more recently, I've become patron, and then uh, in in the last couple of months, I've now become a trustee as well. So um, it's a, a voluntary post that I have, uh, um, advising the hospice and so on. And I don't know whether uh, people know much about what you know what a hospice is, but uh, it it kind of sits alongside the NHS, but it's not part of the NHS. We, mm. we do get some funding from from government, but the vast is around the country has to be raised by local people uh, through fundraising activities and uh, so all the services that hospice provides are free of charge yeah. um, it costs, costs well it means we have to raise about two and a half million pounds a year um, and uh, so it is end of life care it's also uh, you know we, we work with mobility nurses dementia care and so on so you know it is very very important and more important these days than that Yeah, so so let's talk about these these events that are going on then. So, I mean, could you give us a quick elevator pitch for for what's on offer from your point of view? Yeah, 
I can. So we're doing two events. Um, the first is is a film, or two films, in fact. So we've recorded those, um, myself being interviewed, but we've been out on location, and we had great help uh, from a, a film production company in Manchester and a drone um, production company. Wow. Uh, so they're, they're quite good films, I have to say. They're still being edited at the moment, but they're very good. <laughs> but I'm very pleased with them. And a lot of the cast... Um, like Jenny McAlpine as Helen Matthews and uh, Ruler and uh, Julie Goodyear, uh, Julie Hesman Couch and so on. Mm. Amanda Barry, uh, you of course. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I'm in it as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Not not a member of the cast. I'm the the least exciting person to be on it, but never. And so we made these two films, and they pay tribute to the, the fans. Uh, uh, we've also got a Canadian fan, Nancy Milligan, who talks about why why it's so popular there. Mm. And um, we, we kind of talk about the 60 years, um, so lots of stories and bits of bobs. So we made those two films, and um, give you the, the, the hospice website shortly, but you'll mm. be able to go on uh, there, not quite yet, but if you follow their social media, if people follow their social me- media, all the details will come up. And um, it's going to be £10 to watch each of the two films. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be available from the 9th of December, oddly enough. Oh, OK. Um, Important days uh, in the Corrie calendar. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's one thing. And then the other thing is that we're having an online auction. Um, and this goes live on the 14th of November. Mm-hmm. So just about a week's time now. And it'll be live for about 10 days. It's through the hospice's eBay. A page. There'll be a link from the hospice website, and uh, we've got sixty lots for the sixty years. Um, now, Julie Goodyear, who's a, 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 a good friend of mine, um, she she came up with the idea actually, oh. and so she's given fifty-seven of the lots, um, and they're bets, jewellery, her jewellery. So they're some classic things. Some of the, some of the stuff comes with photos of her wearing it on the show, yeah, um, or in personal appearances. So the famous birdcage earrings that she wore um, for her last scenes as Rover's landlady are one of the lots, for example. Bet's mm-hmm. uh, wedding and engagement ring to Alec, um, uh, and so on. Mm. Um, some of the stuff are in personal uh, jewellery as well. Each one comes with a signed certificate on leopard print card, of course. Oh, brilliant, um, of course. <laughs> so the authenticity, and she signed all of those. And uh, then we've got a couple of lots that um, I've given. So there's uh, one which is featured in the uh, film, and I think you've actually seen it, Um which is a, a thing that was done, big montage of the cast was done for the 30th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, signed by Sir Peter Blake, who did the um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club album cover. Uh, and they were only given to cast and crew. There's a big signed script and everything. And then Julie Hesmentalsh, who played Hayley, who's also a patron of the hospice with me, um, has signed um, the, the, the Coronation Street stamps for the 60th. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got an envelope with a full set of stamps and she's signed those. So um, so they're all going uh, on sale as well in eight of the hospice. Oh, that really does sound like a lot for, for Corrie fans to hopefully try and bid lots of money for. Well, hopefully. I mean, it's a funny old year, isn't it? For, uh, Indeed, yeah. Uh, um, and I guess, uh, well, I know a lot of the merchandise they'd hope to get out won't be coming out now we've got the book and, and, and so on but uh, so this is a good chance to aid a, 
a good cause and uh, and hopefully pick up a, a souvenir as well for, for what is a, a momentous year for the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- this sounds like a huge project. Was it always planned to be this big or has it grown over time? It's grown. It started because we were going to do um, an evening uh, at Rycroft Hall where they do the registry on. Yes. And uh, so I was going to talk and we were going to have hot pot and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was going to be on the 9th of December. But it had to be cancelled. So during lockdown, obviously the hospice needs the money and it's a 21st year, as so I say, for the hospice. So it's a bit, a bit of a special year. So mm-hmm. we started to talk about maybe filming me and um, putting that out to hospice supporters. And various people came forward and offered their help. And so it, it, it did grow and grow organically. <laughs> And um, we managed to set up a studio um, in the, the garden centre that I am. So we built the street set. and all um, So we did a lot of the filming in um, September. Mm. And we've managed to do bits over the last couple of months. And more and more people offered to help. And so, as I said, it has become two films um, because of everybody's generosity. And then with the auction, like I say, Julie, um, well, I was surprised because I knew all the people who were taking part, um, like yourselves and uh, Chris Gascoigne and oh, Adam Blees also, um, yes. I should mention Adam, <laughs> who you know is well known, as you know. Oh, as, uh, yeah, we, we know Adam Blees, yeah. yeah. Well, he actually gets to speak, um, so he does speak in my film. <laughs> well, if that's not enough to get people bidding to see the film, I don't know what is, perfectly honestly. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, and Hayley back from the dead, you see, as well. So, yeah. Um, we're, so, so Julie, um, I didn't know Julie was taking part in film, Julie Goodyear, but she, she surprised me with a phone call Jerry, uh, while we were filming the studio stuff. And then, as I said, she came up with the idea for the auction. She wanted to help um, because Roy Barraclough was the founding patron of the hospice. Mm. And, of course, they were great friends on the screen and off, and so she wanted to do something to um, to mark that as well. So. Oh, it's um, great. The whole thing has grown, yes. Yeah. As someone who's a re- really close friend to Julie, I'm sure a lot of listeners want to know, how's, how's she keeping? How's she doing? She's a, yeah, yeah, she's good. Um, she's obviously shielding under current, um, current parlance. Yeah. But uh, she, she lives in a farm in Rochdale uh, where she was brought up. And, in fact, she was given freedom of the borough of Rochdale uh, three years ago. Mm. Uh, so I went to that ceremony with her. So she's on the farm there, and um, she, she and I, now there's not many people who can say this, I do have Julie Goodyear in my bubble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, we have been, so we have been able to uh, to meet under trying circumstances over the past few months, and um, we try, if we can, to speak a few times in the week, and then we meet on Sundays, if we can, at arms length and following all the guidelines. Mm. Um and we have afternoon tea um, in out of leopard print teapots, matching teapots, uh, leopard print crockery, uh, leopard print napkins. Um, so it's not camp at all. <laughs> of course not. That doesn't sound like it at all. Is is she a bit like Beth in real life? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she might be. <laughs> I, I don't know whether she likes to say that or not. She is very much like that. Uh, one of the things she shares, I mean, uh, she does do the lines for me every now and again. So she'll say, you know, I've got, I've got tights older than you and, and all that. Um, and she often, we often, uh, she'll often greet me by saying, pals, we're pals. <laughs> and she does all that. Yeah. And acts it out. Oh, um, brilliant. But yeah, she's, what she does have is a very, very dry sense of humor. <laughs> mm, mm, great. Well, I mean, it, it, this, this event sounds wonderful. Is, is there something there for, 
long-term and new fans of the street, would you say? Yes, I mean, the films, uh, we tend to look back. I don't particularly do cover the current, because I'm assuming everybody knows that. So we start, a lot of it's personal recollections. I start with Tony Warren, we go through the original cast, talk about filming on location, say we go out, uh, we were lucky enough to manage to film at some of the locations in between the two lockdowns. Um, yes, and there's little stories that some of the cast tell. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully there is. And I think, um, you know, you'll be able to watch it anywhere in the world. And um, you're going to learn something. Uh, Ken Dodd always used to say when people left his shows that uh, his shows were always an education because we went out saying, well, that's taught me a lesson. Yeah. Uh, so even if it's only that... Uh, hopefully people will enjoy them. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I personally cannot wait to see both of these shows and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the auction goes as well. So I do really encourage yeah. all of our listeners to, to donate if they can and, uh, and, and watch this. It's, it's a really lovely way to, to get something out there for the, for the fans for the, for the 60th anniversary, unofficially, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. It's been lovely hearing from you again. Nice, nice to speak to you. And um, yeah, really, really best of luck with the project. Thank you very much. A joy to speak to you. Lovely. Thank you. Cool. Thank you very much, Mark, for coming on to the podcast. That was lovely speaking to you. I wouldn't even need to get Mark on as a proper guest for a, for a proper oh, yeah. long interview one time because yes. he is such a Cory. Um, he's a bit of a a bit of a behind the scenes icon, isn't he? I I think he is. He he knows his stuff. He's and he's, he's done the tours for so Julie long. Goodyear. What else do you want? I know. I mean, I <laughs> I am loving the idea of this project, and it, it is. Uh, I, I'm honestly, I'm not just saying it because we're we're a small part of the project. I just love everything about the idea of having an auction of Cory goodies. Personally, I can't see myself. Wanting to wear them. many of um, I of any really, really of the Julie want Goodyear. I want to get a pair of Julie Goodyear's earrings, but I don't think I just don't think we'll be able to afford it. But everybody, please bid. This is for a really good cause. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that's going, so I, it makes me wonder how how much will it go for? Will some of them end up being you know an affordable price? I I don't know what I'm, the I don't know how much people. I mean, some of them obviously people people well, really really iconic, really want. There's the, the iconic, iconic stuff but, in there. Um, if I was if I was rich, I would bid for all of it and put it in a Yeah, that's what I I wonder will that happen or whether will some of the big big items like, you know, the last pair of earrings that she was wearing, will they go oh. for loads? But some of the other maybe lesser known pieces of uh, jewellery, will they be a more affordable price? I, I don't know. I'm no, I'm really no how much this really curious for. to find out. Those but those birdcage earrings have to Do you think fetch do you think lot, you're going they? to bid for something? I I want to. I I think it'd be, I think it'd be silly of us not to. I don't know. Well, what would you do with them? Would know. you wear them? I don't know. Just put them on display somewhere. They're history, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But I tell they you what are. we could do with them is to donate them to a um to a display or or a charity. Uh, not charity. Um, like a museum thing. You know when we we've gone to go see stuff before. Yeah. And it'll have a little sign next to it. Say kindly donated. Bye. Maybe. I. I just think it it's awesome, and and obviously there's also uh, the stamps that um the has signed that you can go for, um. And also, if you don't want to buy, bid on an object, you can still donate ten pounds each for these two films. Yeah, I mean, please do because to, to me, obviously, that's the most exciting thing. Yeah. When well, speaking to Mark and hearing about 
um, th- these films and the amount that's gone into them and the fact that it's so professional film sounding and the, the, the drones they got in and everything. And it's, it sounds really, really good. And so many big names being involved in it. There's, there's people like we've got Sally Ann Matthews, Jenny McAlpine. Um, who else is there that's on it? I can't remember who, who, who said that because the while I spoke to her about it. Amanda Barry well, was another said, one. Ruler Lenska. I know. Yeah, I'm, just, again. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. If you want, if you think this sounds good, please donate. I know ten pounds seems like a lot in this economy, but hospices do such good work. Oh yeah, we I mean, know we know from personal, personal experience. experience how important they are and what a great service they do to people and their families who are going through one of the worst periods of their life so to donate money to a hospice such a great cause and i'm so grateful to um mark and all the people who contributed to this for putting in all the time and the effort yeah and also i honestly believe that this is going to be well 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 worth the watch because he's such a you know big big cory fan he, he, he and knows Julie Goodyear has been so generous as yeah. to, to donate to donate all these things yeah Bless it's lovely to hear that she's doing well I as know, well. and her teapots. Oh. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, brilliant. Uh, please, we, we just uh, encourage you, go and... Yes. When you can, I because I still I, I I checked the other day when um when the embargo was lifted on the press release and I don't think that anything was available to buy yet, but it's coming up soon. I'm sure we'll let you know on the podcast once it's available. Um, If you can, dig deep and donate and um, get a little bit of curry history or a film or both. And oh, why not? Anything else? Any other news this week? I I've think got that's... a tiny bit of news. Oh, have you? Yeah. You know I do. Oh, no, I'm just pretending. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to, you know... Trying to, trying to pretend that we're like, being yeah. professional. Trying to off the cuff. I got this week, because um, you guys know, I bought myself a PlayStation... What is it? Four. Four. Not um, five. They're not no, out yet. Yeah. Coming soon. Uh, TBC. I bought myself a PlayStation 4 so I could play grown-up games... Stop it! We're not starting this. <laughs> you're sounding you as bad as you as bad as Ardy. Listen, I mean, wanting to play his grown up games, but listen, Adam is saying no. That Mario Kart is where it's at. Listen, I bought Little Hope, which is a is a game by Supermassive Games. It's just come out last week, and it is basically a choose your own adventure game. It's not very difficult, so I love it. <laughs> but what does this have to do with Coronation Street? Right. Again, I know really, but I'm just trying to get the conversation flowing. Shut up! You're it's interrupting. Is what you're doing. This game is set in um, America during the witch trials and part of it is set there and part of it is set in present day. And so you've got... The basic idea is that there are characters. There's a group of characters who are American who are investigating a town and then there are a group of characters who are like pilgrims or old American settlers who are having the witch trials. And um, they're the same characters, but they've got different voices. So back in the past, they all have northern accents, which is brilliant. Mm. And I was a bit worried when I thought that this was going to happen because I was like, oh, crap, they're going to... When Americans try to do regional accents, it it can be a disaster. No offence to you guys, but we don't just have one accent in this country. And I don't think a lot of you realise when you try to do... Same as we don't know how to do regional accents in America. Nothing can be worse than Butcher from The Boys, who is Well, just he's not even worst. American. He's Australian. He should know better. An Australian guy trying to do a Cockney accent. And I didn't even know he was It to took Cockney. us six or seven episodes to realise he was, he was even trying to be, to be Australian. Cockney. Right. So, anyway, Will Poulter is the main character of this game and he does his own northern accent and he's really good at it because his dad's from Yorkshire. 
Yeah. So if he ever wants to be in Corrie, he could do his own voice. Mm. But I found out that five members of the of the cast are actually ex Corrie members. Five? I didn't know. I thought you told yes, me about it was some two. of them. I but... thought it was two. That's why I've been sitting here studiously trying to find all the actors. Um, so he, so there's one who called David Smith. He was um, Ian's ba- barrister in 2013, 2017. Ian's barrister? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not right. Doesn't matter. Um, Martin Walsh, he was in. He was D.S. Tyler, Frank Marsden and Detective B. Um, Police Officer 1. <laughs> so big, big names and in the Corrie world. This, no, but this is interesting. Stuff off. 2003, 2015 he was in it. Louise Atkins... He was in Corrie as Claire Manton and Megan Kinsey from 2013 to 2019. And you've got Adam Jowett, who was um, Hugo Crowhurst, 2018, which was um, the friend of Henry. Oh, his, what, the one that he was having a bet with? Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. That's good. And Pip Torrens, who was a, who was a pro- prosecution QC in 2010. And he's got a pretty memorable... Face. I think I remember him being in Coronation Street. I do not I just think, that. big up to Supermassive Games for actually hiring Northern actors to play Northern actors, even though actually they've hired Northern actors to play American <laughs> characters. We won't go into that. It's nice to know that they... That they Indeed it is. ...had good talent there. Thank you for your extra Coronation Sorry, I know that wasn't really still. that relevant. Doesn't matter. It's fine. Let's, let's move on and, um, and finish off this podcast with a bit of feedback. Feedback time, and we're going to start off with some Facebook feedback. I haven't really read any of these, because as, as we said earlier in the podcast, Gemma was in charge of writing the news and the feedback section. Already been told off. So, three point, not doing it right. 3.2 out of 5 was our average for this week, apparently. Um, what do you mean? I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't just, just trust your maths. Joe gave it four dances with the Ticos on my head out of five. John... Three and a half of Billy Eilish. 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 Isn't it? I, oh, God. I, I don't know. even I, I know who she is. Ardy and Dylan may know who she I is. I don't know what song she did. <laughs> Sporting achievements out of five. And Chad was Gemma's pick of the week this week. She gave it, he gave it, sorry, three and a half secret wives in the hospital out of five. Thank you, everybody, <laughs> for sending in your feedback. <laughs> um, Thank you, everybody right. on Facebook. Now, I know that we've had some great news this podcast. We've had some fantastic storylines that we talked about, but we teased at the beginning of this podcast (laughs) that we have got a bad iTunes review that we received this week. And I know that this is what you've been sticking out this lengthy podcast to try and get to. So, Gemma, I'm going to pass this over to you because you discovered this this iTunes review a couple of days ago, didn't you? I check the iTunes review bit quite often. um, And this is really bugging me. Because this is the thing I see it all the time now. I see it like several times a day because I do check this quite often. But it does make me laugh whenever I so look at it. this is the one at the top. This is the most recent review um, that we've had. Uh, the title of the review is Way Too Much Unnecessary Chitter Chatter. And it's one star. That's sad. And it reads, Too long and arduous to listen to. And it has a weary face emoji. That's all the review was, wasn't it? Too long and arduous to listen to. Now, the word arduous in this is the thing that keeps making me laugh, along with the weary face emoji, which is the one that's like the the massively downturned open mouth with the frowny eyes. Mm. Um, The word arduous to describe a a podcast after 
everything that's happened in 2020 is what makes me laugh so much. I got really, I, I got know, you quite got really upset, upset by this. And usually when there's any kind of feedback, <laughs> negative feedback towards the podcast, which doesn't happen very much, thank goodness. I'm the one you, that you're always the one that yeah. it really bothers. And I'm just like, oh, it's fine. But you texted me about this when I was at school the other day. And it really got me, it really bugged me. And it was like, what? What, what, why would anybody do this? Oh, don't, don't like a podcast. Everybody's got the right to... Just don't review it. Everybody's got the right to write reviews. Um, but one thing you you have to accept is that people who um, make the thing will see your review and also can talk about it on their podcast. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I looked up this weary face emoji because I, I was just wanted to make sure that I was um, sure what they were trying to to convey to me yeah. and I'm more confused now because I looked up on Urban Dictionary what can you look up emojis on yeah. Urban Dictionary and according to them that means the, the art weary face is the one you use when you want someone so bad you're willing to beg <laughs> so we're getting mixed messages off of this yeah off of this totally. so this confused me so I thought I'd do a bit more research um, the username is WW1833 and I thought that sounds like it could be a date I'm I'm not stupid. I might choose to chat too much, but I'm not dumb. I looked this up, and interestingly enough, William Wilberforce, who was a British politician, uh, who um led was one of the leaders of the movement to abolish the slave trade. Um, I think I've written he was born in 1833, but I think he actually died in 1833. Okay. So this must be someone who is a massive fan of the abolition of the slave trade. So you know we have to hold them up. Yeah. We have to. We have to. Um go with what they say or it's the ghost of William Wilberforce who has somehow inhabited the internet to review things because this isn't the only review that WW1833 has done no no they're also a big fan of 90 Day Fiance but not necessarily 90 Day Fiance you've written 90 Day Disasters that's the name of the podcast what is 90 Day Fiance it's a TV programme I'll tell you about it later Um, can't wait for that uh they they took a while to understand how to write reviews, but once they got the hang of it, there's no stopping them. 90 Day Disasters got five stars with the header, didn't enjoy this. <laughs> Sound was terrible. Didn't like the interaction with one argumentative person totally talking over the other one. Difficult to listen to. Um, I'm surprised that wasn't our review, to be honest. They could have got <laughs> that doesn't pasted. describe it quite well, really, um, doesn't Now, it? one thing they do really like is Boogie Shoes Couch to 5K. So if you don't like this show, you might like that show. Um, apparently, it's better than a lot of other Couch to 5K podcasts. Five stars, good music, and easy to complete the programme. And this was done in January, so obviously... January um, last year. WW1833 had some kind of New Year's resolution to, to get off the couch, stop listening to podcasts, <laughs> and run. Um, Why nine, not both? 90 Day Fiancé After Show from, from a programme called After Buzz got two out of five because the sound quality is really bad and it said it's good content but you end up missing a lot of it because of the poor sound. And the most recent victim, Why apart from us... would you give us, two just because the sound quality is bad? The most recent victim, apart from us, for the wrath of WW1833 was the breakfast show from My Heart Radio and I feel bad because... Um, it's called dis- it's disappointing, according to them. And Charlemagne ruins the show. It's very biased and insincere, and it's hard to listen to. Unsubscribed. So they've been unsubscribed to. Who knows whether they're, they're still subscribed to this show? If you think there's too much chitter chatter, perhaps you would agree that going into an in-depth rundown of every single review that somebody has done <laughs> yeah, uh, might be a, also a bit too elaborate. But I don't care because. 
um, there's always a right of reply. Yes, there is. But can we just say, can we use this as an opportunity to ask more people to give nice positive reviews for Conversation Street to try <laughs> and like knock show, that one down off the top and get our average thing, back up again? The reason why it doesn't really bother me is because that's the point of this show. It's not supposed to be a concise, quick rundown of everything that happened in Coronation Street. It's supposed to be you sit down and listen to two people and it's like you're chatting with your friends about what happened to Coronation, on Coronation Street. Yeah, It's not supposed to be quick. So to criticise it for one of the things that it's supposed to be doing is kind of funny to me. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, WW1833. There must be more that they don't like about it, but they just can't be bothered to say. Because, because it's too arduous it's to too write. It's too arduous to write too much. He didn't want to come across as being waffly and long-winded <laughs> about it. You, but, <laughs> but I want to say I thank know. you to our Facebook group because I posted this review there to show them and they were all very supportive and they um, totally... Uh, totally validated <laughs> my my ensued me yeah. my hurt emotions it, it, it made me feel better I'm about glad it, it made you feel I, was, I was a bit upset about that when i read that the other day uh, yeah so please get everybody if you just... haven't reviewed us yet and you are on itunes and you like us if you could yeah it, it, it's not just you know to stroke our egos or anything but it does help the, podcast, the podcast get me discovered and everything yeah. like that. Um, and Somehow also i want to say um sorry to the person who moaned at me on twitter because i read out eastender spoilers but apparently they don't listen to me anyway anymore so it doesn't You've upset a lot of people this week, Gemma. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by reading Rebecca's feedback about last week's shows, uh, Coronation Street shows. That's what we talk about, isn't it? Yes, it is. Rebecca says, glad that the Scott story seems to have been put to bed, as in Scott has been caught, but he could also drop Johnny in it as well. Yeah, Johnny at the moment still seems okay. I'm also guessing this would be a good way for Johnny to exit if Richard Hawley ever decided to leave. Sally Ann knocked out the part this week and I thought that Jenny acted very much in character. Also feeling for Emma as well. The guilt of her taking Scott's money will gnaw at her. Indeed oh. it did. I also appreciated Scott wearing a clown mask as we know that Johnny is scared of clowns. <laughs> I don't know whether that was a reference or not. I'm going to say it wasn't. Did we mention that some, on the podcast? Yeah, we, we did, we did. Um, I think it's just something that, you know, no, um, particularly What's nerdy that? fans like to see it? things. Like chlorophobia or something? I don't know. Loved all the Craig and Faye stuff and hopefully Faye is warming towards Craig. I'm also wondering if Craig will have doubts about being a police officer now about getting hurt. No, Craig is so morally upstanding citizen. He would do. He would die in the line of duty if he could. He'd jump in front of a bullet that was heading towards Faye. He'd probably jump in front of a bullet that was heading towards Jeff, to be honest. He's such a... A stand-up, excellent copper. I, I think, you know, it's his lifelong dream. It's his vocation. It's his lifelong dream to die in the line of duty. Yes. Um, Rebecca continues. Sure I agree with Michael. Thanks. Over Evelyn and Arthur. I want them together, but don't think they will be. And I also think this is the last we have seen of Arthur, sadly. Oh, I hope not. The secret was pretty guessable, but Arthur standing by Beryl is typical of him. He wasn't standing by Beryl. He was trying to knock off Evelyn. <laughs> Possibly in six months he might return if Beryl dies, but Evelyn won't take him back. Uh, can I just Ooh, interrupt and say, I saw a, a, a comment on a Facebook group about somebody saying that they were upset about this story because they are in a similar position in their own life. I don't want to go into too much details because I haven't got permission necessary to talk about it, but... Um, I didn't really think about it from the point of view of the family. If he's got kids or something, mm. it's really unfair to the person who is in the. You know, it's not Beryl's fault. No, no. I didn't. I neglected to um, consider to, that side. Yes, of and I feel bad about not 
Um, I was thinking about so, it. Yeah. One thing Rebecca says, um, do not put Roy and Evelyn together as a couple. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. We didn't no, talk about please. that last week. No, that, absolutely not. That would not work for me. Um, love that Jeff is back to his annoying best and that he is, has, has another unwilling victim. Michael, however, is right. And again, twice in one podcast. This is good. Alia is annoying, <laughs> although her trying to sell Jeff the house is probably right. I like the little old lady Jeff was helping. Again, still loving Todd and also liking that he was sussing George out. Todd this week, I thought it was quite... He only had a couple of scenes in today's episode. I thought he was pretty cool, pretty chill. I... I I I felt that he was, you know, being a good Todd in today's episodes. Gemma Gemma's shrugging. She's maybe conceding. I'm doing that... weary face. <laughs> you want him so bad. <laughs> Hopefully, um, George will go out with Eileen. Rebecca says, and not Mary. Loved Sean this week, and also loved the fact that he was trying to be a cool dad. I'm also hoping Dylan sticks around. So I'm assuming Violet has some sort of accident in the next few weeks. I think that's what we were saying earlier. Finally, Debbie must be Roxy, unless it's a brilliant red herring. Abby, however, would love to drop Debbie in it. So I think Abby might find out first. Character of the week is Jenny, and give it three and a half intruder alerts on Jeff's phone. Out of five. Yeah, do you think... Who do you think? Because Debbie is eventually going to get rumbled as being, you know, in with Ray, isn't she? Yeah. Is it going to be Abby that... that discovers her it feels like it's, that's the most likely question. situation and then so Kevin might be like oh you well you've what? always been anti-Debbie I don't trust you I don't believe you I'm angst, even wondering angst. whether Ray might reveal it to Abby as like if Debbie turns on him maybe maybe because I mean yeah Debbie doesn't seem that she's particularly happy to be working with Ray now she knows a little bit more about what he's what like she, she's she's in it for the you know, the financial gain that but now, will come yeah, with... Yeah, but don't forget that, that we've raised established that she needs to, this deal to go through or she really will be bankrupt. Mm. And those scarves, I've said before, not cheap even though her bag is. <laughs> um, right, your turn, Gemma. What's Nancy got to say about that? I've got to say this Corey? first. Oh, what? Coolrophobia. Is that how you would say that word? Yeah. Is, is clowns. Oh, there you go. Clown fear. <laughs> Nancy, thank you again for sending in your email. Loved the scenes when Johnny and Jenny were held at gunpoint by Scott. I thought it was great when Scott put the gun down and went out of the Rovers to give himself up. I think Jenny and Johnny will stay together. They may have to examine their relationship, but I feel this experience will make them stronger. I just like Sean and Dylan together. It was great for Dylan to play with Ardy. I think Sean and Dylan will grow closer. Loved the dramatic turn of the story when Oliver moved. It gave Leanne renewed hope to carry on with the court case. I wonder how it will all turn out. Ali is frustrating to watch. She could have caught Jeff with Christine if she had some patience and kept her mouth shut. How can Jeff refer to Yasmin as his ex-wife when he is not divorced? I thought divorced? you said Ollie is frustrating to watch and Ali is frustrating to watch. <laughs> I'm not reading it. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, OK. Uh, this is all going to work against him at the trial. He will be exposed by someone. Evelyn was great with Arthur. I knew he had to have a sick wife. Evelyn handled the situation beautifully. Roy and Evelyn playing Scrabble was great. I think Arthur will be back. I think Debbie is Roxy. Abby was so right about her. I wonder how Kevin will feel when he finds out. Well, what will Abby and Sally think? I give this week's episode 3.5. Roy playing Scrabble with Evelyn. Character this week is Jenny. I love the interview with Abigail Kemp. The ghost stories were wonderful. Oh yeah, we put our ghost stories on the YouTube, didn't we? Thank you, Nancy. And this, what do we put on YouTube this week? Oh, we put a Fiona Middleton character profile from last year. Yeah. Um, right, Jay. Oh, we've got to apologise to Jay because we, uh, we made oh, do, fun, you... fun of him for saying the King's words, but he's saying... I don't remember this. Um, misunderstood me when I said we followed the King's words as a history teacher. I'm aware of our sovereign. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. In fact, my parents 
my parents met Queen Elizabeth II and Philip at different times in their lives. That's good, isn't it? I've never met the Queen. I'd love to meet the Queen. Don't think I'll I'm be sure able to. I'm sure she'd like now. to meet you as well. I'll write to her. I was referring to George the Sixth during World War Two when he instructed England to keep calm and carry on. Well, I don't, what, what did we even say? I don't remember. No, I don't this. remember. Um, but actually, keep calm and carry on. I didn't think that was a. I thought that was written on a poster that was never actually used during the war. And that is correct. Because it was to. Um, it was like if we get invaded, that was the poster they were going to put up. That just shows you what what British the calibre of British public used to be. Yeah, we got invaded and they just put a sign up going, "Just carry on." Nowadays, you can't convince people to wear a mask in Sainsbury's and go shopping by themselves without getting a load of bitching and moaning. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Sorry, Jay. If if we ever make fun of anybody when we when we're reading out your feedback, please don't take it to heart because. We make fun of each other. It happens a lot. We only do it to people I like. Right, Lee has sent us an email saying, I wanted to share my thoughts on Corrie as of late. I've really been enjoying this show the past few months. Yay! While EastEnders is on steroids, shock over substance, unrelentingly dark stories and pandering to the fan bases of certain couples and Emmerdale needs another plane crash to wipe out 75% of the characters, Corrie has been consistently warm, funny, dramatic, suspenseful and lovely. Oh, good. My current favourite... Well, do you, do you agree? We, I'm glad we, that we're watching Lee it as well. It. Yeah, I like getting emails from people that are enjoying the show. My current favourite stories are Debbie Webster and Ray Crosby plotting to level half of Weatherfield, Leanne and her family struggling to come to terms with Oliver's death, and the reintroduction of Todd. Oh, Lee, I you only, like that one. I only started watching around the time Lewis died. Oh, that's so not that's so recent, isn't it? So I don't have a frame of reference for the old Todd, but. Here's what isn't working for me. Oh, no, sorry. But I like the character and the dynamic he brings to the people around him. So here what is what isn't working for me. The Baileys need something to do that doesn't involve the Baileys. The characters mm. and the performers are very good, but they need to be woven into the fabric of the show in more substantial ways. Gemma and Chesney continue to be cartoonish and annoying. So it's, it's really nice to now like read about Gemma and Chesney and go, oh, yeah. Oh, because no. <laughs> there's been so long where it's like, oh, Gemma and Chesney, Gemma and Chesney, they're, they're ruining the show, they're invading the show, we can't get rid of them. And, and I'm starting to kind of forget about them sometimes. It's not, I'm not saying I want them back or yeah, anything. Yeah, but the other night when you woke up in a cold sweat and you sat up in bed and you went, no quads! <laughs> you can tell it's still on your mind sometimes. I'm actually okay with the Rick Nealon murder being dragged out, though, as long as it explodes in a huge way when the body is found. What body? <laughs> says the says Coronation Street. I look forward to the podcast every Saturday morning here in New York, Ooh. and I love your opinions, rich knowledge of the show's history, and of course your lovely rapport. Ah, thank you. That's a very nice email, Lee. Send me some Trader Joe's mushroom powder. What? Is that, <laughs> is that what you get in New York? I w- no, it's from Trader Joe's. Um, wh- thank a you, random Lee. Request. <laughs> I really want some. It's like. Twelve pounds on Amazon. I don't know if that's a reasonable price. Just get just um, get Trump to bring you some because he's he's leaving, oh, isn't he? Don't even say anything political. Um, we don't agree with politics. It's wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. I'm Thank so you. glad that you like uh, watching Corey all the way over there in lovely New York. I I, I really like the idea. And do you know what I also really find interesting is when people say, "Oh, I started watching it." Blah blah blah. Why? Why did you start watching it? I want to know. I know. I always wonder what, I'm really what's curious. made people start Please, and not everybody, stop. next week, write in, or over the next few weeks, because Canadians might not get this straight away. Please let us know. When did you start watching and why? Because that's very intriguing to me. Yeah. Do you have any good stories about, yeah. about why? Not just, you know, 
switched on the TV one yeah, day. And I couldn't was. be bothered to get yeah. up. And it, yeah. Um, I also, um, I want to hear how many people watched, started watching Corey because they love Conversation Street and they didn't yeah. know Who found that the there podcast? was a companion show called <laughs> Coronation Street that makes this podcast make more sense. If there's even one person <laughs> that listened to us first. <laughs> I'm really, so really curious about <laughs> that. That doesn't make no sense. Although we have, sure, we've had people writing <laughs> into us in the past and said that they've listened to it and then their partner has heard the podcast and then from that decided to watch, watch Coronation Street. Well, we, yeah. where's our money? What? Where's our money from Coronation Street for getting people into watching the show? We don't need to be that, fair. We no. um, we get more emails from people saying I don't watch Coronation Street anymore. I just listen to this. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> final right, email. Finally. This is Fangirl Overload 1, 2, 3, isn't it? This is my turn. This is your turn. You go um, for it. Okay, right. Poor Emma. I felt so sad for her on Wednesday. Debbie is so sneaky. The way she was with best... The way she was best pals with Sally and Tim one minute and Jeff the next. Kind of sad to see Dylan leave, but how long was that half term? Yeah, he did say he got an extra week and I was thinking, well, how did he get two weeks off a half term? Uh, change schools to be in a different county. London. So it's London schools, through. isn't it? Why is Corey trying to get us on Corey's side? It's the same as when they tried to get us to like Tyler. Once again, I know Leanne is going through hell. But first Toya, then Gail, then Nick. How many more people who care about her is she going to attack? Also, I noticed more of Oliver's family was in it this week, namely Simon and Amy. I think Grace will have a miscarriage and Michael will blame himself. And we didn't even consider the option no, of a we miscarriage didn't, did, we? did we? Considering how often they happen. Finally, they got Craig and... Faye together. I'm so excited. Character of the week is Sally, and I give it three cute moles on Abby's Oh, thumb. that's what I scored at. Uh, well, she didn't one, know. Two, she didn't know. She didn't know. I Thank can't you very say much. I'm excited about Craig and Faye together, but it has felt like it feels a bit it's, inevitable. It's a long term coming, and not in the same way as Gemma and Chesney, which was like Ugh. on the horizon. We're hurtling towards us, and you can't. You're pressing on the brakes, but you just can't stop. You're pressing it. the kill switch. I mean, and it won't die. Uh, Faye's had so little to do. Maybe this would be you know good for the character, or like I said earlier on the podcast, maybe this could spell the end for. Uh, for, for her and why Craig. do you I don't know why you I think they're just... going to get together and repeat the storyline that already happened I don't know it just it just feels like it I, 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 yeah it feels like he's going to have to rescue her again and he, maybe no. he'll think I was shot last how time about... and I'm actually fine so maybe I'll do it again And how about she rescues him Michael you chauvinist okay maybe right that's it for another podcast another arduous podcast <laughs> I enjoyed How it. How do you guys make I, it through? I had a lovely old chat with you this week, Gemma, and Matilda Freeman and Mike Llewellyn. So thank you very much to our two lovely guests for joining thank me. Thank you to, to our lovely guests. various projects. And thank you to WW1833 from Canada for spending your Halloween arduously listening to this show. If you would like to send us a You can also review email. us. You can send us a review. Apple, yeah, iTunes. I think you can probably do it on Google, but I don't really know anything about that. But Probably don't want to read those. Do. There's probably loads of our other ones on there. Um, conversationstreet at gmail.com is our email address if you'd like to feature in next week's um, feedback section or, you know, future one. Yes, let us know what when you first started watching Korean oh, yeah, Why. Yeah, thing that Gemma said. Um, we're on Twitter, at Conversation Stew. We're on Spotify, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, where we put little videos with, you know, audio clips of our podcast we're on, on Patreon. every week. And Patreon people get early access to interviews like the Matilda Freeman Oh, yeah, they've been one. listening to that for the last and few days. And you also get a bonus episode every month, which is our top five of something, insert something here. And... Don't forget, we're going to donate all the money from 
December's Patreon. So if you want to donate money to charity, to charity. yes, to to a charity, <laughs> you can just sign up for one month if you want to get all the bonus content. And then bugger off. Some of the people who have been um, top level patrons for uh, for six months now are going to be getting some. We're going to be sending the out some goodies. Some, we, we've got quite a few people. We've got a big lump of yeah. people who have. Um, this is your six month that you've Thank been. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, on the rovers it return level, so one of my jobs this weekend is to try and get that ordered. And some of you will end up getting them quickly, and some of them will take longer because various postal system things. Yes. Um, but yeah, look out for those if you have been. Paying six months worth of Top Rovers tier. level Patreon. Thank stuff. you, everyone. Even if you are not a patron, we love you anyway. Thank oh, you yeah. for listening. You guys give meaning to my life, and I'm not joking. What have you have got to say? I can't top that. I just had a really nice time doing a podcast with you, and I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. I hope that's everybody, all I want. Yeah, that's all we really want. If you don't like, enjoy it, it makes us sad. Yes. Um, let's go let's go fine let us go music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com podcast themes.com